LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past uh, four. It is Wednesday, isn't it, today? It is Wednesday. Whiz through this week. Don't you think this week is whizzing through? I was just saying, actually, to Duncan, I just uh, offered him a, a shortbread, you know, because he's taking four. <laughs> Bless him. But that's okay. It's, it's something for the journey. But the trouble is, shortbread is like eating coconut matting. You need to take a little bottle of water with you. Because otherwise, you know, your mouth dries up. And it's terrible. <laughs> anyway, so I was just sort of saying to him, um, I said, I've started doing a lot of falling over. I keep slipping over now. I don't know. Either I've got two left feet. It's a bit like a series of, uh, of come dancing. And um, and I was falling over, and I was. And you look at you know when you look at elderly people going down the street, elderly men in in particular, and they've got bruises on their legs. I've got that, but I've got no idea where they come from. You look at somebody's going down the the road in a pair of shorts. You look at their legs. If it's an elderly person, you think bruises. Where'd you got those from? And I look at my legs. I think I've got bruises as well on my legs. Wait a minute. Let me just uh, sign in so I know where I am actually. Uh, honestly, I, I worked out the other day. I must have. About three different passwords. Variations of it. I use... Oh, anyway. Uh, wait, I've been locked out. Oh, here we go again. We're trying trying that silly one. Is it because you've done that one there wrong? Wait a minute. Bear, bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, S-T-V-E dot A. I've learned how to spell my own name here. It's ridiculous. You know, one time, I'm sure... Why haven't we got voice recognition on this computer? Would that make it easier for us? So we can sort of uh, write on something and just go... Steve Allen, it just logs you in immediately. No, there you go. You'll have to log in, because it won't let me do it. Anyway, um, so lots of stories in the papers today. I know that Ian... I know that Ian... I know that James... James? <laughs> Duncan was talking about the Peruvian 2, and uh, that seemed to provoke a lot of lively debate. I was quite surprised. Only what we were saying last week, which is, we know that they're, they're drug smugglers... Uh, we know that they got caught. They've shown no remorse whatsoever. Uh, one of them is quoted in the paper today as saying, there's nothing the matter with the prison. We spent all day yesterday colouring so-and-so's hair. And so it's not a big deterrent. I couldn't care less where they rot in hell. Couldn't care less where they die over there. Makes no difference to me. If you can stop drug mules, then that's fine. As somebody pointed out to Duncan, if, that, if those drugs had got through... That was a million and a half pounds worth. A million and a half pounds worth of cocaine. Not 20,000 quids worth or a fiver or whatever it happens to be. But a million and a half pounds worth. They should stay in that prison. I don't want them back here. I really don't want them back here. Unfortunately, they're, they're a disgraceful pair. They've brought disgrace on their families. They've lied through their teeth. There were no people holding guns to their head. There were no people. They were, they were going there to, to collect drugs. They didn't even have to take money for it. It was already paid for up front. Nobody hands over a million and a half pounds worth of drugs, let me tell you, you know, without some money there. So that was already paid for. And they go back there and they were going to sell it in Ibiza. And they'd have lived very happily on it because they were just two old toe rags. So we don't want them back in this country, do we? Why should we have to pay for them? Let the Peruvian government pay for them. Make them pay. Charge them every week, £100. You know, let the family suffer. They brought shame on the family. That's their problem, isn't it? I couldn't care less. I don't want them back here. I really don't want them back here. They're drug smugglers. Unless we are really that soft a touch and the Prime Minister needs a kick up the rear end. You know, if they say, oh, yes, they can come and serve their sentence here. Why? They committed the offence in Peru. Serve, serve your time in Peru. The jails don't believe all the human rights people. Those jails are perfectly acceptable, let me tell you. For scum like that, 
Absolutely. So don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm more worried about the deluded Sophie Anderton, a rather stupid, pathetic waste of space, who's uh, proving once again that her five seconds is well and truly up. Why don't you just disappear, dear? Why don't you go to America? Why don't you go somewhere? Just get out of the country. You're a pain in the rear end. You really are. And uh, she now claims she was injecting drugs at the age of 11. Well, whether you believe this barking mad woman or see her as an attention-seeking nobody is neither here nor there. But I don't believe a word of it. I mean, she's just pathetic. She's ugly. She's foul-mouthed. She's disgusting. She's low-rent. And uh, everybody thinks she's a bore. Injecting at the age of 11. Absolute garbage, it really is. Mind you, of course, what was even more garbage yesterday was Paul Gascoigne, who failed to show up for a TV interview on this morning. They all sit there waiting for him, and apparently he's back on the booze. I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. He said in his interview, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to die, and this, if you can understand his accent, I'm going to die. And I thought, well, of course you are, because we've done everything to help, and we can't do anything. Somebody wrote to me yesterday, said, you're very cruel about Paul Gascoigne, he's ill. And uh, so I, I, I thought to myself, no, I'm not cruel about him at all. We've wasted £100,000 already. How much more money do you throw at somebody who's an idiot? There's nothing that... Listen, it's, people can come off booze. It is possible. It is possible. It's only the weak and the feeble who go, oh, I can't do it. And he's still on it. You know why? Because as I said yesterday, he's bored. He's bored Whitley. He's got nothing... To, he's got no, no job. So he goes gambling with a bunch of little, little sort of hanger-oners, little sycophants who will drag their carcasses around behind him because he's way a famous. And it's not, he's just a sad old drunk who has Botox. I mean, dear God in heaven. I mean, that's to sort of stop the ravages of the booze. I don't, I, why do we care? I really don't care. I couldn't care less. He's wasted 100,000. He's basically told the friends who gave him the money, I don't care. You know, and uh, no doubt there's more of it. He can still afford to go gambling. I thought, well, why'd you ask your friends for money then to get you into rehab? In theory, he should have paid for himself. But being the sort of person he is, he didn't, which is a shame. Apparently, Prince Charles says William and Harry are great dancers. No, they're not. No, they're not. They look ridiculous. Some people can... What's the wristband? Is this some sort of... What, is, what on earth is that for? What is it? What does it say? It's a, it's a wristband. Does it mean something? It's got a name of a loved one on it or something like that. It's got your internet profile. What is that wristband he's wearing? I love people who wear wristbands. I love it. But that one's sort of pink and it's got a hashtag on it. So I don't even know what that means now. Somebody said it's got a hashtag on it. What does that mean? What is it? Don't make me come in there. You wouldn't like it if I had to come in there and wrestle it off your wrist. Is it something very important? He's taking it off now. He's too embarrassed. Is it something the police would be interested in? I can't... Listen, I can't read looking at a piece of paper. It's no good holding something up at the window. I mean, you know, everybody could be stark naked next door. What does it, what does it say on it? You're going to find out and tell me. Is it rude? Oh, right. Is it dull? Oh, it, it's dull. Is it dull and boring? Did somebody give it to you to wear? Yeah. Does it kind of mean something? Does it mean you're now bonded in Jesus' love or something? <laughs> I like those sort of things. You see, loads of men wear bracelets now, don't they? Loads of men wear sort of... If you look at people... See, I'm not a jewellery person. I've got a watch... And, uh, and a ring, and that's it. Very dry skin today. I should have brought some hand cream. And, um, and so that was about it. So anyway, so the um, so supermodel... She's not a supermodel. She was never a supermodel, Sophie Anderton. She was just some bog-standard old thing. And now she said she injected herself five times a day with drugs when she was 11. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. As usual, fantasy woman. You know, desperate to try and get herself back in the papers. 
little bit, a uh, little bit sad. Uh, there's also the loan sharks. I've got a piece of salutary advice for those people who unfortunately uh, use loan sharks. Oh, I've got to just realise I've got a cup of tea with a teaspoon in it now. This is a bit of a luxury. We've never had a teaspoon. Look at that, a teaspoon. My God, I tell you, we're pushing the boat out. Pink bracelet and a teaspoon this morning. Don't know where to begin. The excitement. Uh, and also, uh, EastEnders stars out in force to film Roxy Mitchell and Alfie Moon's wedding day. They always have a wedding every so often, don't they? Uh, which I quite like. It's OK. I don't, I don't mind weddings. I, d- I don't believe anything of it. I always think it's a little bit silly. And uh, apparently we're now hotter. Yesterday we were hotter here than the Algarve. Isn't that great? But the Al- I've, I can't remember if I've ever been to the Algarve. Have you been to the Algarve, Sam? No. Oh, you have? Oh, right. Is it hot there? Right. Wait, hotter here. Hotter here. I don't, I don't really do heat. I'm not really a sort of a heat person. Actually, to be honest with you, I'm not really any kind of weather. This morning, I didn't bring a coat with me because I've got to go out later and I thought, I'm only going to carry a, a coat all the way round with me. Who's this? Is this uh, Jude Law? Doing full frontal in front of uh, Richard E. Grant. Obviously making some film somewhere. It was either that or <laughs> comic relief again. And um, this is uh, a woman here. And she's called Emily. Nobody can pronounce her name. But she's the female star in the infamous Blurred Lines music video. I don't even know what they're talking about. Half the things you look at in the paper, you think, I don't know what that is. I really don't know what that is. I, d- I do know what Birds of a Feather is. And I do know who Matt Willis is. And I'm delighted to say that he's joining the cast, along with Pauline Quirk's real-life son, who's called Charlie. Charlie Quirk. And so they're going to bring it back for a further run on ITV, more than a a decade and a half after it bowed out on the BBC. So ex-busted player Willis, who went on to win I'm a Celebrity, is married to Emma Willis, as you know, uh, will play Robson's eldest son, Garthy, in this. Why can't we have the proper Garthy? We all know what Garthy looks like. And Charlie Quirk will play his younger brother, Travis, reprising the role he's been performing in a Birds of a Feather live show, which has toured the UK. So Quirk and Robson returning as uh, Sharon and Tracy and Leslie Joseph playing Dorian. I mean, you couldn't actually put anybody else in apart from those three. They are the, they are the only ones that you, can, that you can put together. It'd be awful if they recast Birds of a Feather and, and they put different people in. It wouldn't work, would it? I don't think so, anyway. Um, I rushed to work early to hear your comments on Paul Gascoigne, says Daniel. I don't know why. I'm saying the same as everybody else. He didn't turn up for this morning, but there again, that's all publicity for him, isn't it? That's the kind of... Apparently, he was seen wandering around Bournemouth. Uh, According to the car company, no car was booked. So, I assume somebody would help him make his way there. It's an awful long way to drag somebody, isn't it, from Bournemouth. You'd have thought that they'd have realised that he's a drunk, and they'd have put him in a hotel the night before. So he's near to the studio. There's no end of uh, hotels around where the studios are on the South Bank. So you'd put him in there. But they obviously decided they didn't want to. So he didn't turn up. I think, to be honest with you, he wasn't even booked properly. That's why. And then you get publicity for this morning. They can then go and say, oh, Paul, Paul Gascoigne didn't show up. Because they put all sorts of people on this morning. They actually put loads of people on it. Or all the people you hate. You open up the newspapers, you see people you don't like who are attention seekers. So, you know, somebody was thinking, shall we book Sophie Anderson talk about injecting five times a day at the age of 11? And then you think, no, she's barking mad. What's the point of putting her on there? She can't even speak properly. The woman's a stupid ignoramus. Shouldn't be allowed anywhere near a television. It's, a, you know, an idiotic thing to put her on the television to start with. She's, uh, she's a waste of space. And to, you know, to put a headline on, I mean, what does she think that's going to do? Do you think people are going to look up to her and go, oh, well done you there, Sophie, injecting at the age of 11, or you have done well? <laughs> God in heaven. It's, a, it's degenerated into that. It's a bit sad, isn't it? And uh, Steve uh, Junior, Glasgow, 
in hospital, three days of chemotherapy. He says, I'm very tired, but uh, OK, thank God, he says, I have a room. Otherwise, I'd be waking up the ward. He says, I'm, I'm drinking OJ. Is that or- you drinking orange juice? <laughs> Back on the orange juice thing. He said, and eating bananas, but home later today. I'm glad you got through the uh, the chemotherapy. I know it drains people. I know it's, you know, the side effects are, are horrid. But you've come through it the other side. That's good, isn't it? See, that's uh, some positive news this morning. I like positive news, especially if it comes all the way from Glasgow. 16 minutes past four. Morning, everybody. 20 minutes past uh, four. And uh, with Nick Ferrari today, the day after Ed Miliband delivers his keynote speech, Nick will be asking, how did he do? Plus all the latest on the first fire strike for a decade. And is it fair that we judge MPs on what their wives wear? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole fun of it, isn't it? So you can see what they're wearing. Uh, Tom Bower, the investigative journalist and biographer of Gordon Brown and Simon Cowell, be in the studio looking at the newspapers this morning. And so no, I might as well tell you what they're talking about, uh, apart from the, the Daily Star, which has got... Oh, I need uh, an express. I've realised I need an express this morning. Uh, that, and you've got uh, back... To the bad old days, grabbing land from property firms, boosting the minimum wage, Red Ed, revived 70s socialism, and now uh, Trini Waddle, Waddle, sorry, Woodall, after dining with Charles Saatchi. Tart. <laughs> I mean, honestly, for goodness sake. Perhaps she's desperate. Perhaps she's lonely. Perhaps he's lonely. I don't know. But they go back to Scots again, which is quite fun. It's a nice restaurant, if you've never been there. It's not cheap. A friend of mine managed to rack up a bill of £900 for two for lunch. Admittedly, it was with the booze. It was with the booze. He liked to hate that top. I absolutely hate it. I couldn't hate it any more than I hate it. Not my top. Producer's top this morning. It's where did you get that from? Where did it, I mean, is it some sort of East European market or something? Or are you working as a builder now? It's horrible. It doesn't mean anything. Is it well, sort of one of those? I don't know. It's, it, it, it looks like it's not only seen better days. He won't. You won't. He won't, won't wear it anymore. And um, and it's sort of you, you sort of put it because it's got a hoodie as well with it. Can't bear hoodies. They frighten me. Hoodies. 60% of women, that's, uh, that's you lot, are happy with their work-life balance. I bet they're not if you ask them, really. Are you happy with your work-life balance? No, I'm not. <laughs> and now, if, if you shop on eBay, you can collect your parcel from Argos. I suppose any effort to get you into Argos to buy something, I see that as being the next retailer that's going to suffer quite badly. Because I've not been in an Argos for ages. Because I've suddenly realised that you look at the stuff in the catalogue and then it arrives and the, and the giveaway is the box made in China, generally on the side of it. That's why people always say, can I have a look at it first? And there's a model pupil, a boy of 15, of 15, who robbed a bank. He may have acted out a video game, said the judge. The teenager burst into a branch of Barclays, pointed a fake handgun at terrified cashier whilst demanding cash. He shouted, I'm not effing messing around. I've just got out of prison after five years before fleeing with 2,200. I mean, it, it is bizarre. They said the child, because apparently at 15 you're a child now, even though you can have sex from, from 16, said acted like a real-life action video game, but nevertheless it was a, a robbery. And uh, he's granted the teenager conditional bail until he's sentenced on October the 15th. Apparently he'd been motivated by greed and immaturity. In other words, he's a bit stupid, which is like a lot of children at 15 nowadays. I've only just got out of effing prison. And that apparently is... I mean, all I thought in banks now, they sit there and they look at them and they push a button and metal screen, screens come down immediately. See, what I want is for that person to go into the bank and he goes, I've got to give me the money. And you push a little button, the screens come down, the front door locks automatically, and poison gas is pumped in. You know, that's, that's what I would like to see. And then go, I'm terribly sorry. We didn't know. We thought he was going to shoot Mrs Leggett. She's been here for 42 years. 
84850, steven lbc dot co dot uk. And, um, so that, I mean, I don't know, are people influenced by, I mean, I, I never got into video games. I was one of those, those children who actually could amuse themselves without video, we didn't have video games when I was younger. You know, we, we played with toy cars, and we played in the garden, and we went out on our bikes, but we never sat at home being insulated and isolated playing video games. My friend, uh, Anthony, not, not Anthony Davis, uh, is uh, still waiting for his Grand Theft Auto. He's, he's waited since God created heaven and earth. And he's so desperate, and, and now he's, he's sort of losing it a little bit. Anyway, the company promised him a refund because it never arrived, and they said they were a bit overwhelmed. And I said to him, I said, what's the point of it? You know, all the excitement's gone now. It's now so yesterday. It's not, you know, we're not really interested anymore in Grand Theft Auto. I, wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't play it. Having, having had it described to me, I'm amazed the thing even got on sale. I'm absolutely amazed at this thing where you sort of shoot people and steal cars. It's actually on sale. I thought the whole idea was we're supposed to be playing down the idea of people using guns. Although, you know, when you look at this 15-year-old who is a model pupil, well, quite clearly not, he's obviously very stupid, who goes into a bank and starts swearing. And I, I mean, what do you think he's going to get away with a million? What was he going to do? Hide it in his train set box. You know, what do you do with somebody like that? You send them, presumably, to Feltham, Young Offenders Institute, where they mix with the wrong sort of people. They end up doing, you know, little, little gangs. I do like the idea, though. There's a bloke in the paper today. His name is... Wait a minute. I shall tell you in a moment. Uh, Kashim Kia Thomas. He comes from Hackney, East London. And uh, Zilvinus Vitkas of Ilford. They're in the paper. Why are they in the papers today? Because they're spitters. Because they're the people who they do that spitting. Real scum of the earth. Anyway, they've been fined £160. Because the place where they did it, Waltham Forest, which has become the first council to bring in spitting as illegal. And, uh, and somebody said, I think, it, I mean, it is disgusting, unacceptable. But I think one of their, a friend or somebody like that, said it's, uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, this is, uh, you know, why, why we've got that. I mean... Thomas's grandmother said it was ridiculous to fine and prosecute her grandson for spitting when everybody does it. This uh, Patricia Thomas, rather stupid at the age of 57, thinks it's okay to spit. So next time you see Patricia Thomas on the street, stand in front of her and spit on her shoes. Because she thinks it's quite normal. She thinks it's a normal thing you do. No, low-life people spit. There's a bloke who works, I'll tell you this for a fact, he works in WH Smith's in Twickenham. And he stands round the side, because we see him every day, at the little road that leads next to Paul Cooper's greengrocer's shop. And he smokes a cigarette. He's obviously an addict. And he sits there. And every time he smokes, he goes... And he spits on the ground. Every time. He must do it 20 times in the course of a cigarette. Seriously. I mean, it's absolutely appalling. So when you see these two little, these two little pathetic excuses here, it is, you know, and then you get the grandmother going, it's, uh, everybody does it. So that's okay. Well, I tell you, so everybody comes around shooting you. That's all right, is it? Let's make shooting legal. I tell you, grandparents are so... Are you telling me what this bracelet is now? You're not telling me what it is. It says hashtag on it. What does that mean? It says hashtag on it. Is that, where do you get that from? Does some strange person in the street give you that to wear? Well, for God's sake, obviously. I've warned him about talking to strangers. I've said don't talk to them, so he's now wearing bracelets that they're giving him. I don't know. Where will it all end? I've got no bracelets on. I'm going to start wearing... I did buy one, actually, in the Natural History Museum the other week. It's little gemstones from millions of years ago, and they put them all together, and I put it on. And to be honest with you, it's cut my, cut my wrist to ribbons. So, you know, nothing worse than walking around dripping blood everywhere, is there? So, so I gave that up. 
And because for some reason, jewellery just isn't me. Some people are jewellery people. Some people aren't. I'm not. I don't spit. I've never spat on the street in my entire life. I think it is the most disgusting thing ever. Absolutely dreadful. So I'm glad they've been fined. And perhaps we can take away the stupid grandmother as well. 57 years old, but unfortunately with the intelligence of a peanut, I'm afraid. You know, spitting's okay. Everybody does it. That's not the excuse, is it? The whole idea is you say to somebody, we've got to stop it. I don't want to stand at a bus stop with some person spitting. They do it all the time. Cyclists do it. They're the lowest of the low. Cyclists, cyclones, spitting. Disgusting. It really is awful. Uh, On the subject of falls, Diana from Richmond had a particularly nasty one yesterday. Tripped over the folded-up clothes area, straight onto the concrete floor, twisted her ankle... Hit her face, head and knee, and feeling somewhat sorry for herself, carrying a tea tray at the time. Luckily, after she'd drunk the tea. So, love and best wishes from Dad and I and all the Facebook friends. Also, best wishes wishes to Junior after hearing. Just before the four o'clock news, yesterday morning, uh, morning to Margaret, matron from Barnes. She always sounds like she's had a few drinks, doesn't she? (laughs) And, uh, And it's Richard's birthday today. He's 21 again, says Sarah. <laughs> yeah, right. In the same way that I am. I must get one of the things. Hashtag. Hashtag. I mean, I wouldn't mind, but he's wearing it with such pride. Like it's something really interesting. That's where he comes from. That, that's considered, oh, that's really classy. He's wearing jewellery. It's, it's just a pink bracelet with hashtag written. I mean, what does that mean? It's not even, a, you know, it's not even like sponsor me here or, you know, go out with me or something. It's just, just hashtag. And he took it off and showed me. Oh, God, blimey. Changed my thoughts on him, actually. I've decided. <laughs> uh, other stories in the news today. Apparently, uh, there's, uh, the, well, the, the, there's more pictures on uh, uh, Charles Saatchi, the old crumbly, and, uh, and Trini Woodall, TV stylist. I, never, I used to, never used to like them at all. They used to describe them as the cart horse and the drag queen, didn't they? Was it the cart horse or the transvestite or something? Whatever it was, it was never complimentary about them. And uh, so uh, he's 70 and she's at 49, I think. And so they were there. Apparently, Mr Sarchi has a personal fortune of £130 million. What was it, Trini, that first attracted you to the multi-millionaire? Oh, look. Here it is, Keith Vaz, dancing next to a scantily clad belly dancer. Oh, dear. Oh, and bad news. The Russians are in London. Unfortunately, all the women look the same. They look hard-faced. Look like they've been brought up from the Urals or something like that. But they're in town. They're very vulgar. One uh, private school headmaster said he didn't want any Russian children in his school because the parents, and he describes them as thugs. You see them actually wandering around town. They look like, you know, they're sort of all doing the bodyguarding stuff. Not very pleasant at all. 84850, steve at uh, We'll take a short break. News is next. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. So now we're established. I don't spit. Very common thing to do. I've never done it. It's just so disgusting. So in, uh, over in Waltham Forest, they're fining people. So they find two people. They thought they were being really clever. Uh, one of them's got a dim grandmother who thinks it's OK because everybody spits. So next time you see her, just sort of look at her and go, see how she likes it. I know we had spit the dog years ago, but that was a bit, that was a bit funny. Uh, Alan says, uh, as far as I know, screens only come down in banks if somebody attempts to jump over the counter. Jump over the counter? I don't mean jump over the counter. I've never, never been in a bank yet where they've actually got a counter you can jump over. They're all behind bulletproof glass, aren't they, now? And you put your thing under the little tray. I've never 
jump over the counter. Never heard of such a thing. Never heard of such a thing. Steve, you're right. Those girls should serve their time in Peru as they knew what they were doing. They should be punished by their laws. Absolutely. We don't want them back here. Let them rot in the prison over there. I couldn't care less. Six years and whatever it is. To be honest with you, very light. That'd been China. They'd have been facing a firing squad by now. They'd have been executed, not waste time with them. I just love the way that they're, they're so dismissive of it, you know, as if they're going to make money out of it at the end. If I read any story from them, I'm, I'm, I should be boycotting certain newspapers, I can tell you that. Uh, the BBC should screen children's shows after 7pm instead of leaving youngsters to watch unsuitable mainstream channels in the evening. Have you seen some of the stuff that's now masquerading as children's programmes? It's generally hosted by presenters over the age of 30, some over the age of 35, way too old to be doing children's television, and uh, some of it's very adult humour because they're not actually in touch with little children. It's only if they're doing little children's programmes. By the time you get to Dick and Dom, the only act with two, uh, well, certainly not Doms in it, um, it's, it kind of is one of, those, uh, one of those sort of things that you look at it and you think you're doing adult humour. Even though they, they tried to bring them onto adult television and they, they died on their proverbial, I'm afraid. It just didn't, didn't work at all. Here's uh, pictures of the paper today of Melissa Reed and uh, Michaela McCollum Connolly. Uh, apparently Reed has compared the Peruvian prison to a, to a brownie camp. She said, we spent the other day just uh, dyeing her hair brown. Let them stay there, then. I couldn't care less. Perhaps they might pick up a language. Perhaps they might sort of serve some useful purpose. They're drug smugglers, whatever, and we don't want them here. It's as simple as that. Love the picture of the Queen. And I think it was the Canadian Prime Minister. We, sh- we showed this yesterday. We talked about it yesterday on the programme because uh, it's the-, the Queen's sitting room at Balmoral is very plain. It's funny. She's surrounded by, you know, wonderful objects, but not in here. It's two very ordinary chairs. Lots of things. She's even got a fake corgi sitting on the floor. I mean, it's like sort of wandering into a child's playroom. I mean, and there's a convection heater in there, because it must be blooming freezing in the middle of winter. It costs about 20 quid. But then you've seen the pictures, haven't you, of, um, of Buckingham Palace, and where you've seen the state rooms, which is very nice, but if you actually go behind the scenes and you look at the place where they had breakfast, they're not surrounded by antiques. She's sitting at a formica table. They have a little toaster. Prince Philip gets his copy of the paper ironed, and they sit down. It's just quite ordinary. Quite ordinary. It's a, it's a very average-looking kitchen. In fact, it's even... It doesn't even look as though it's been brought up to date, but they have their, their food in there. And they only use the other stuff when they're doing formal. So they've, they've got the two separate sides. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, I hope they ban spitting in Tower Hamlets as well. I have to witness this disgusting habit all day. It's helped bring TB back to our country. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. You see people standing there, you know, and it's a young bloke thing. I'm glad they got fined in Walthamstow. I'm really glad... And, uh, you know, throw them in prison if necessary. All right, might seem nothing to you. That's how we... Uh, I remember seeing the signs. Spitting spreads TB. Perhaps they don't realise. Perhaps they're a bit dim. Dim. Dumb. Either one or the two. Like wearing a bracelet with hashtag on it. It's a similar kind of thing, isn't it? You know. I just don't quite understand why people spit. Why don't they swallow? You know, carry a little bottle of water with. I carry a little bottle of water. I've got some Highland Spring here, which is my sport bottle. And it's got a little, little flip top on it. And you go... And it's lovely. You know, makes me feel very sporty. You know, I feel like I put on a little pair of shorts and go running up and down the road. But uh, not with my bruised legs, I'm afraid. I really do. I look like a car crash at the moment. I've got bruises. I've been there for ages. And I looked at them the other day thinking, I've got one strange mark on my leg. I was going to show my producer the other day, but I suddenly thought, no, that would be a little bit inappropriate. Don't want to visit HR just yet. But uh, I was sort of, you know, maybe next year, I don't know. And I was sort of thinking, because I've got this little mark come up. 
It's like a little sort of little red thing. And I swear to God, it's getting bigger. I was going to mark it with a felt-tip pen so I could sort of watch it grow. And I'm thinking, I need to go to the doctor to get it, get it looked at. And so I've got on Saturday, and hopefully you have as well, your flu injection for winter. You need to get your flu jabs because now is the time. You'll find all the independent chemists will be offering flu jabs. You need to get it done. If you're an at-risk person, elderly or diabetic, or you've got some other illness which means you're in the at-risk category, then you get it for free. And you just make an appointment with the doctor. So I've got mine Saturday, which is lovely. Um, Warren says, did you see that BA sent its maiden voyage of the A380 double-decker to Los Angeles yesterday? How many passengers? 460. 460. It's amazing, isn't it, really? I'm still amazed by aircraft. I know it sounds really, really dumb. But I'm still fascinated by aircraft and, 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 and actually getting things up in the air. And they stay there. Always very interesting, that. So thank you, Warren, very much indeed. I didn't see it, but I should imagine it's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. 460 passengers. <sighs> Lovely. Uh, here she is, former public schoolgirl, Victoria Aitkin. That's the one with the uh, father, the disgrace when he went to prison. Um, she apparently... Uh, British music producers uh, have snubbed her. One said, your accent is really strange because you get... My name is Victoria, what can I do? And it, it, was, it was really awful. She said it was not an issue abroad. All the record labels I'm side to are outside the UK, including a Dutch label and a German label. Uh, she's a bit of a waste of space, actually, Victoria Aitken. She's had her five seconds of fame. Go away. Stay away. Don't bother coming back again. Um, what's it like being a beautiful sex kitten? I only ask the question. There's nobody around here that is applies to. I have to tell you, I'm surrounded, you know. I mean, in terms of deeply unattractive, it goes to sort of, it's a one to five kind of thing. You know, you're not going to be looking at anybody in the in the not that I'm working with anyway that could ever be described as a sex kitten. You know, old moggy, yes. You know, if you're looking at cats, the musical, I'm looking at Deuteronomy in here. You know, we're looking at the grizzled old cat. You're looking at the at the at the at the, at the Elaine Page one. Memory all alone in the... The old, razzled old cat out. That's what I'm looking at. Not looking at anything that could be described as a beautiful sex kitten. I mean, would you find that patronising? If somebody said to you, you are a beautiful sex kitten. I know if you're wearing hashtag, you're probably used to hearing that all the time. But, you know, for the other poor old moggy in there, there's a mental health nurse in the paper today who faces being struck off for sending a series of sleazy texts to a woman patient suffering from depression. I would have thought if you sort of describes... I mean, admittedly, I would be slightly wary if somebody sent me a text saying you're a, be a beautiful sex kitten. And it would never happen, would it? No, it's not going to happen. I know that. But uh, apparently, in another, uh, the nurse said he was jealous after seeing the woman's dog, Gizmo, licking a toe. Who calls a dog Gizmo? Bit of an odd name, isn't it? But anyway, so anyway, she sort of, she sort of complained about it. And, and I think, you can't really say anything to anybody nowadays, can you? I mean, if, if I say to the producer, God knows you're amazingly attractive. You know, A, I'd be lying. <laughs> and B, he'd probably burst into tears. You know, and would probably take out an injunction. But, it's, but you can't say anything to anybody now. Nobody seems to like compliments. Nobody wants to be complimented because they think it's an attack on their being. And so, so that's why. Whereas, in fact, I shouldn't imagine the producer's ever had any compliments or anything like, what do you want? Oh, God. Any excuse to come in the studio and touch my keyboard? Oh, that's right. Turn oh, right, works now, does it? Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. First decent thing he's done in about five years. Anyway, so... Uh, and then a friend of mine reminded me. He said, I remember listening to you years ago. He said, I worked on a 
a station in Manchester. And he said, I was driving the car into work one morning, he said, and you were talking about Little Mix on your programme. Because I mentioned Little Mix yesterday, because they've, they've got a series of dolls that were brought out that are now remaindered in Poundland. And I thought I'd go and buy a set, because they've got to be worth, you know, at least the meltdown plastic value in years to come. And he said, you were saying, oh, Little Mix are in the building today. He said, and you said, this is what I apparently said. Um, he said... Uh, he said, I was listening to you. He said, and you said, Little Mix are in the building. They're probably in to renew the cleaning contract. He said, I nearly drove off the road. I said, very cruel. Because they haven't managed to chart very well at all, have they, Little Mix? They've had some things that have, that have bobbed around a bit, but nothing, nothing, particularly, uh, nothing particularly great. Uh, Noreen says, I expect Willoughby in the doghouse. Not what, no. We can't pass it on to Will. Sam. Sam. And uh, not his fault. There was something the matter with the machine yesterday. He failed to push the right buttons. And uh, so consequently... No, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm, I don't like getting people into trouble over the podcast because I know most of you hang on all of it. Scary weather yesterday. Really thick fog until mid-afternoon. Then really hot. Driving difficult. There's always some clown who's got to screech past at 90 miles an hour. And have you noticed, nobody indicates these days. Noreen, it's the bane of my life. Cars that just literally pull across... Although I have to say, the driver this morning, I thought he was colour blind. Because we were stopping at green lights and going over red. And it kind of worried me a little bit, because at one point we just narrowly missed a centre island as we were going through Knightsbridge. And I thought perhaps he was, he was a bit tired, because he slowed down coming up to every traffic light while we perused the colours. I mean, it was, it was borderline getting out the colour chart. Let's have a look. OK, red means stop. That one's green. Oh, it's OK, we can go. You know, we had to get out and match the colours up to them. Uh, Warren says, 14... In the first 90 in club, 50 in premium, plus, and 303 in economy. Amazing, he said. It's like a village in the air, this this plane. That's amazing, isn't it? 14 in first. 90. So only 14 people can fly first class. I'd love to be so rich that you don't even think about flying first class, but I know that I'd climb onto it, you know, having sort of saved up my little pennies, and I'd get there, and there'd be somebody I'd be looking at thinking, oh, God, we really have to share it with you. Lizzie Cundy or something like that. That would just about ruin my day. So anyway, so you can't say hello, sex kitten, anymore. So, Noreen, I'm afraid it's it's not going to be happening. I can't say it, which is a shame. But uh, wait a minute, oh, the computer's now jammed up again. Honestly, oh, no, it's gone. <laughs> uh, Kevin, he says, I would suffer being called a sex kitten if it makes the sender happy. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean what, what, what is acceptable to somebody? Can you say to somebody, I think you're really attractive? Would that be acceptable or, or would that be not acceptable? Would that be acceptable if somebody says you're really attractive? OK, that's OK. How would it be if somebody put their arm round your shoulder? Oh, that's unacceptable, is it? Oh, right, depends who it is. OK, oh, right, so there's certain people you wouldn't mind doing it to. See, now you're becoming discriminatory because now you've decided who you want to put... So is it OK to put your arm round your waist? If somebody came up with a... Oh, that's really unacceptable, is it? OK. So, um... It's getting a bit, getting a bit scary, this here now. I'm beginning to wonder where we're going with this conversation. And to be honest with you, I've got no idea. Because if you can't say to somebody... You know, I mean, if, I mean, years ago, it was OK to go up and sort of put your arms around somebody in the office. Nobody thought that was peculiar. Nowadays, people think that's slightly odd. So we all become a little bit reserved. You know, and we all become... I mean, I've discovered there's more single people in this building than I've ever encountered anywhere at all. It's like a singles club. And generally speaking, if you work on this programme, you know, you start off within a relationship and very shortly you end up being single. It works a treat. It really does. It's the, it's the, it's the sort of the hours you work. Makes it very difficult to maintain a relationship. And, uh, and sometimes people stray. 
And sometimes people don't stray. But it, it does put a strain on your relationship. Everybody's got to work at a relationship, haven't they? Producer's got a little relationship going with himself and a mirror. And, uh, and he, he, he thinks it's all right there. Has it been going a long time, has it? Really? How many? How many? Three and a half years. I had a producer whose uh, relationship was seven years. Worked with me six months finished. It was... Uh, in fact, actually, I had two... One marriage split up and two relationships after seven years went down the swanee. Such was the uh, such was the intro. I think it's because of the hours that people work. If you work overnight, Kevin will Kevin will tell you the same thing. You know, you're, you're you're working. You're hoping that all your partners are asleep at home, waiting for you to sort of nip back home afterwards. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Dollars Hill. What can I tell you? You know, that's where people leave the front doors open and just pray to be grateful and lucky. But you you sort of you you go out there and you have a relationship. And in London, it's dead easy to find people. Dead easy to find relationships in London. The difference is, and I told a friend of mine. Uh, because he, he came down to London from Manchesterford and he couldn't find a relationship. He said, I've said, as he said, people tell lies in London. And I said, of course they do, because everybody's living the fantasy. They're in London. They want to know what you do for a living, what sort of car you drive, how much money you earn. It's very difficult to find somebody genuine. He actually met more people who wanted to go on dates and then at the last minute cancelled because they obviously found something better like Kentucky Fried Chicken Party Barrel, which, to be honest with you, I mean, you'd ditch anybody for nowadays, wouldn't you? Especially if it comes with a free Vionetta. And that's why it's difficult in London. If you want to meet people in London, get a job as a barman or work in a, in a club. That's the only way you're ever going to meet people, because most of the people who go to London clubs, most of them, that were perhaps more out of town, will be regulars. They'll be going there all the time. So get as a job as a bar person in a local pub, something like that, and you'll meet somebody. And then you just have to hope that it goes on. I mean, I was speaking to somebody here the other day. I can't tell you who it is. Um, who I thought was still in a relationship, and it turns out they're not. Producer knew all about it. He's give me the gossip and everything. Because you never know, unless somebody says, you know, I'm not in a relationship, hashtag, and you sort of, and you think to yourself, you know, am I likely to be in a relationship? Am I looking around? I always think if you're looking for a relationship, you never find one. If it, you, you'll, you'll come across it when you're least expecting it. It'll creep up behind you. <laughs> and those are the days I relish. 14 minutes to five. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. <laughs> Still all single. Anyway, nice to have you company. Welcome along to LBC 97.3. So you now can't say you're a sex kitten. Uh, but, uh, but Joe says, isn't it just that it's inappropriate for a nurse to be calling a patient a sex kitten? Well, I don't know. I've seen the Carry On films. I seem to get away with blue-blooded murder in those films. They'd go up to people. In fact, I think in one of them... The the, uh, the nurse really fancied the uh, the patient, and I think they ended up actually going out at the end. Which it, it was it was quite it was Shirley Eaton, I think. I can't remember who the man was, but it was uh, it was very funny, very funny. Uh, somebody says, Steve, I'm a beautiful sex kitten. Would I lie to you? Most people lie to me, I'm afraid, over things like that. <laughs> and uh, one here says, I agree with you about this morning putting guests on for effect with no real value or much to say. For example, that poor ex-apprentice star, Katie Hopkins. No one likes her. All she does is offend viewers or fellow guests, and yet this morning keep putting her on. Well, what they're doing, they actually put her on to generate some sort of annoyance. So it's some, it's, it would be, it, you, would, you would expect her to come on. And she's realised, like that silly journalist, that silly little one that they put on the celebrity Big Brother thing, who claimed she was so beautiful that men, that, that women despised her. And in fact, she was so plain and dull. It's just that she's come up with something really stupid. And so Katie Hopkins came up with something really silly. She says something that's so fatuous, like, you know, all fat people should be shot. And then people go, well, that's absolutely outrageous. You know, she's saying it for an effect. She's saying it to get a reaction. If you react to it... 
then you've fallen into the trap, and so they put people on there. Everybody knows that Lauren Harris is a complete and utter broom. You know, you don't want to watch her in the morning, but you sit there watching in mock horror. But she's not a celebrity, but what they're doing is they're deluding her into thinking that she's some sort of celebrity. Sue lives in Cumbria. At the moment, I'm up listening to you on television. Because you can. And the answer is no. So, uh, hello to Vicky as well. No, you can, uh, you can pick us up on the television. Or the LBC app. The LBC app. If you go to uh, lbc.co.uk, well, then you can uh, pick us up on that one. Latest on, uh, on TJ. Oh dear. I was talking to somebody about TJ the other day. This is Paul's dog. You remember the saga. Split up with his partner. Dog. Bull Mastiff. Cries when he goes out at night, rips the place apart, took him to Battersea Dog's home. They said they couldn't rehome him. They were going to put him down. He went and collected him, took him back home. A couple of days he was fine. Now he's ripping up the furniture again. So anyway, he's just got home to find that TJ's broken two of the bars on his cage and was bleeding as he'd cut his nose too. I've tried everything, but he's gone back to being horrible again. Mind you, he's not barking anymore, which is good as it's not upsetting the neighbours. He said the old king-size quilt he had last week is now in the bin as he chewed all the stuffing out of it. I had two old pillows, which I put in there last night, and he chewed them up. Looks like multicoloured snow now. See, I don't know what the answer for this poor dog is. I can't think of, of anything off the top of my uh, head which would actually uh, which would solve it. I really don't know. I really don't know. Sigh. Uh, Simon says, I'm, uh, I'm currently away from home and doing security on a well-known soap near Elstree. Oh, which one would that be? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. He says, it's the second night I've listened to your show. It's good to hear a presenter saying what should be said without pussyfooting around. I wonder if the youth of today actually got off their bottoms and played outside in parks and riding their bikes instead of spending most of their time playing violent computer games. Would gun and knife crime and obesity be less prevalent within today's society? I don't know. I wonder if Tranny and Susanna are planning on doing another TV series about domestic violence. Look good naked while strangling your other half. Yes. I mean, they did have a show back on the television, didn't they? they Gokwana's done this, How to Look Good Naked. I don't know, I'm just sort of, I'm looking through the glass and imagining. And uh, feeling quite, quite nauseous, actually, for some strange reason. <laughs> Only joking. Only joking, honestly. You have to say that, it keeps them on their toes. Uh, there's also another story in the paper today. Uh, Richard Kay is talking about a model called Chantel. Luckily, it's not that Chantel. Daily Mirror, Simon Cowell. I am having a boy... And getting wed. So that's good. Little does that child realise that uh, daddy's going to be very, very rich. Uh, Labour said Miliband has declared war, war on greedy power companies. They're saying the same to everybody, aren't they, really? Pledging to hold energy prices for two years. They're desperate to get back into power, so they're going to promise you anything. They're going to promise you, we're going to hold this off, we're not going to charge you for that, we're going to be good on this one, we're going to do this here, and we go, oh, well, that's it, we'll vote for that. And then they go, actually, we can't really afford to uh, to do that. We can't afford to do it all at the same time. So, in other words, you sort of drag on another few years. I mean, our pensioners here must be sort of worried sick about the way things are going. Um, Ian says, Rosie was my dream stewardess, and I met her on a trip to Delhi, 30 years flying between us. Flying is always an amazing sensation, even though us old trolley dollies. He said she's beautiful, and I try to tell her every day. Well, I've given up telling him around here. There's nobody... Attra- I've just worked out, actually. There's nobody attractive in the office. There's nobody that you can honestly say, you know, it's full of good-looking people. Because we're a speech station, you see, and traditionally, we don't have good-looking people here. They're all, they're all on the music stations. So I spent a lot of time hanging around there. Uh, 84850. Tony says, with the marvels of modern technology... I'm listening to you walking to work in Abu Dhabi. Passers-by wondering where I'm smiling. 
Well, it could be drugs, couldn't it, or something like that. Or wind. He said, your acerbic wit brightens up the day. Well, it does in Abu Dhabi. There can't be much to smile about over there. I can't think, I can't think of a more boring place to go. I really can't. I mean, you know, boiling hot sunshine. There's nothing over there that would, that would interest me at all, I'm afraid. <laughs> Uh, more, every paper has got the Peru cocaine mules admitting we're guilty. Well, we knew you were guilty. I didn't need to go to court to realise that you were guilty. We knew you were guilty for the simple reason you're standing at the airport and in front of you are your two suitcases, which they've opened up, and they're full of cocaine. It's just the one with the, uh, with the cottage pie stuck on a red and the other ugly one who stood there smiling like they couldn't care less, thinking perhaps they can sell their story at some point. Uh, 84850, Neil says... It's an early start into Londinium for me. We have a super-duper day. Hi to all the Facebookers, like our Kevin. I, too, witness many people, including lots of women, spitting. Turns my stomach. Is it a foreign thing? Do people spit it? I mean, I remember being in Hong Kong years ago, and there is a lot of spitting over there. A lot of spitting. I mean, I'm just horrified. They, they do it outside. They wouldn't do it inside their house, would they? So they're just doing it for an effect. Or is it something like that? Anyway... Uh, some poor old John's in deepest, darkest sit-cup. He says, I also get to uh, to listen to the podcast when I'm in the gym. So you played a big part in helping me get a toned physique. It's done nothing for us round here. Nobody's got a toned physique in this building. We just don't have toned physique. We don't have a gymnasium here, but we've got membership to gyms, I think, which people can, uh, people can join. Weather for today, let me tell you very quickly. I know you're dying to know. Cloudy, misty. Oh, not showers in places today. Please, not today. I didn't bring an umbrella or a coat. Uh, so, fog, a few showers likely, especially at first, but mostly dry. Areas tending to brighten up into the afternoon, becoming warm with sunshine. 18 degrees currently. It'll climb to 20 degrees. So it's not going to go up too much. It's quite mild out there this morning. Quite mild. So panic not. It'll be, uh, it'll be OK. OK. Uh, who's this one from? This is from... Um, another one. So I'm trying to sort out the... Uh, they all go into different... Blooming things here, actually. Uh, Tony says, I need to get up to go to the toilet three or four times a night, but not diabetic. Have you been, you've been tested? Have you been tested for it? Apparently, a few of the new insulins, once opened, do not need to be kept in a fridge, says Jackie. Oh, I don't, uh, I don't keep my insulin in... I keep my insulin that I'm not using, you know, the new ones, in the fridge. Once, once you take them out, then they're, they're fine. Then they sort of adjust to body temperature, and I keep them on me all the time. But people keep new ones... In the fridge. New ones in the fridge. Uh, 84850. Paul in Manchesterford says, I have to disagree with you over getting rid of Emily and Rita, both stalwarts of the show, over in Coronation Street. He said, an example to the so-called actors who now think they're bigger than the programme itself. My candidates for the chop, the dreadful Dev, and in my opinion, the worst character of the show, and your number one irritant, Mary, who lives in the camper van. Oh, they should have dropped her. They got rid of that madman who used to work in the supermarket, didn't they? He says, I think that if ITV had any sense, they should go back to two episodes of Corrie and Emmerdale a week. As with EastEnders on the bead, they get the quality back if they quit the conveyor belt mentality and put some thought into plots. The only problem is what to put on instead. You mentioned Hilda Ogden coming back the other day. As you recall, when Stan died, she went to be Dr Lauder's housekeeper. In the storyline, she was several years older than Rita, so now she'd be not far short of 100. Jean Alexander, who... Uh, who played her is now 87 and happily retired. Barbara, who plays Rita, is 79. And Eileen Derbyshire, who plays Emily, is 83 next month. As you say over Bruce, Ronnie and Nicholas Parsons, retire? Why should they? But for God's sake, give them a decent plot. 
He said, I've not had the pleasure of watching the first episode of Toss and Awesome Mate, having a prior appointment watching Paint Dry, but I will report back tomorrow. As for Blue Peter, the main reason for the demise, the viewers' children have got their own pets nowadays. Many families in the 60s couldn't afford them or had no space in the cramped housing. Also, with cheap flights, kids go abroad younger and learn from a laptop as opposed to being spoken down to in a proper English accent for 30 minutes a week in it. That's why they can be dragged away from... That's when they can be dragged away from Grand Theft Auto. Thank you, Paul, very much indeed. Yes, I suppose we have to hang on to the elderly people in Coronation Street. But uh, the Peter Andre programme, it was so good. He seriously believes in his deluded little mind that we're interested in his dull, boring life. Him and his dull, boring girlfriend, his dull, boring children, who he adores. And that's all he does. Peter goes out, stops on a council estate with a film crew, and people crowd around and goes, Peter Andre. And, of course, that, that's his fix for the day. How he's going to cope when the cameras aren't there, I can't imagine. Peter Andre, my living hell. I haven't seen a camera for 24 hours. That'd be the kind of thing, won't it? You could just tell it's going to happen. Other stories in the papers today... Oh, Jesse J is going to move to America. Thank God for that. And uh, Lady Gaga, oh, and Miley Cyrus is having a boob job. It's all going on in the world, isn't it? And the Peruvian too. Except they stay there. LBC ninety-seven point three. Text eight four eight five zero. Tweet at LBC nine seven three. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Nice to have your company. To have your company, very nice indeed. It's LBC 97.3. Lovely to see Colleen Rooney, not dressed up, but uh, going out uh, to a petrol station. Picked up a magazine. You'd think she could afford to have them delivered, but uh, obviously not. And, uh, and she's wearing what can only be described as chief chav outfit. And this is a pair of black leggings, black Converse trainers. And she dropped a whole packet of £50 notes. Nice to be so rich and rub it in people's faces, Colleen, isn't it? Nice to know you had a photographer with you as well at the same time. So it's amazing, actually, when she goes out, this is what she wears all the time. That's what she wears all the time. Don't believe all these gubbins that, you know, she's always wearing designer clothes. She's got nowhere to wear them to. It's her and Wayne. She said, oh, Wayne, Wayne likes, you know, the sort of clothes he likes. Look, dresses like a chav. Uh, new show in London. And it starts off with a, an early evening party. Uh, in a Mayfair boutique, champagne flutes, Jimmy shoes, Shirovsky clutch bags, uh, skin-tight Cavalis, uh, trousers, lots of bleach-blonde platinums. Uh, everybody speaking Russian. Why? Because it's a, it's a new Russian uh, reality show. And uh, it's sort of made in Chelsky, as they're saying. The most vulgar reality TV stars ever. All the women look as though they're sort of... I mean, they're, they're very... They're very odd-looking. They're sort of hard-faced bitches with uh, hairstyles to match, I'm afraid. Their husbands look a bit thuggish. And uh, they, uh, the money has become the be-all and end-all. I remember talking to a friend of mine who went to Sharm el-Sheikh. He said it's full of Russians throwing money around like there's no tomorrow. There's so much corruption over there that, you know, some of it must rub off. So they've got a, uh, a sort of a rundown of their bulletproof cars, their tax-avoidant businesses, and, uh, and also... The, uh, the fact that an awful lot of schools don't want Russian children in there because they say the parents are very thuggish. There's a new late-night bar which is opening and it caters for Russians. I remember somebody telling me once, there are so many Russian prostitutes over here now and uh, you'll buy me jewellery, you buy jewellery. They know where all the posh shops are. They know exactly where everything is to go to and that's what they're after because it's, it's big business. Big business over here now. I came past, where did I come past? I remember thinking, how odd... And it was two phone boxes. Where the dickens were they? 
Where the dickens were these phone boxes? We obviously went through some area of London where there were two phone boxes, and inside, as we drove past very slowly, uh, it was full of prostitutes' calling cards. You know, it's got a picture of some old, some old dog, and, you know, you can book them. Of course, what, what turns up is completely different from the pictures on the thing now. And uh, these phone, both phone boxes, side by side, were absolutely covered in these pictures. And I thought, the poor old cleaners have got to go round there. There are certain people, certain well-meaning Londoners, who go round and take all these, these cards off and throw them on the ground. But what you need to do is take them and just throw them in the rubbish bin, uh, which is a bit of a, sh- bit of a, a strange thing to do, but... You'd have to do it. Kevin the Milkman says, I've got four stepdaughters at home that would snitch on Sam, other half, if she sneaked a man in. Anyway, she'd never find another stud like me. Fingers crossed behind back. <laughs> uh, no sex kittens at my place, Steve. Plenty of wailing old alley moggies, though. Yes. Uh, you can apparently buy a dog muzzle that dogs can still drink from. Perhaps, that, yes, perhaps a muzzle could be the answer. You know, that, that could be the thing that you can... You can make sure that, you know, the dog doesn't chew anything up, put a muzzle on him. I'd be so worried, you know, that he, he might sort of choke himself to death on a muzzle. I know they don't, but, you know, it might frighten him. I don't know. Uh, following my moan about lack of decent programming, says Paul in Manchester, but in the afternoon, the Beeb have come up with a great new schedule for BBC Two. Would you believe we're getting repeats of great British menu classic mastermind Floyd on food? Dead. Are you being served? Dead. Hello, hello? Dead. Cagney and Lacey and flog it. Well, makes makes uh, Peter Andrex and Toss look interesting. He says, what are they spending the licence on? Read the carry-on. It was Shirley Eaton and Kenny Connor when he played the boxer. Carry-on nurse made in 1959. No, the man she ended up with, Kenny, Kenneth Connor played the boxer, but she ended up with another man, didn't she? Who was in there? Who was the tall, good-looking one? So, uh, Shirley's now 76. Good grief, is she really? Doesn't seem possible, does it? 76. No, it was the man she ended up with. He was very tall and good-looking. I remember Kenneth Connor playing the boxer because his wife came in and didn't she sort of sit there? Wasn't his wife played by Irene Handel or something like that? I'm pretty certain. But uh, that was it. So a lot of people recommending a dog muzzle. A dog muzzle. Uh, here we go. Charles thinks the princes would be the stars of Strictly. This is uh, Prince William and Prince Harry. I should imagine Prince Harry could probably dance, but William, I don't think, looks so he could dance for toffee, I'm afraid. And uh, I'm pretty certain I'm right on that one. But Harry was dancing in Jamaica the other year. I would, I would think that he could, uh, he could cope. And War at the Pumps, is, as petrol is slashed to 131. I love the way they say it's slashed to 131, like they're doing us a big favour. Whereas uh, I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I think it's just... It's just terrible. The amount of money that we spend on, on petrol nowadays. I wouldn't mind. We're only kind of borrowing it to go through the engine. I wish you could recycle the stuff. Or they invent an engine that you put it in. And one, once you've got your, uh, your, your petrol in, it stays in there for life. Fog warning to drivers everywhere. Thick morning fog. This is because of the temperatures that we're achieving during the daytime. And they've got a picture of the shard encased in fog. It was uh, very misty going home yesterday. But I quite like mist and fog. It's all right if somebody else is driving, isn't it? If you're actually out there yourself, be very careful, especially if you're driving, you know, behind somebody who hasn't got their lights on, because people still do drive without lights on. How they see, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, Other things in the papers today, they talk about Downton Abbey and a surfer. Lovely picture of a surfer, but there's two dolphins who are surfing with him. And after 63 years, what's, what's going the camper van, the thing that you used to see at the music festivals, the Australians who tour around the world, all with camper vans. 
all with camper vans, and they're now getting rid of them. I came in in a... What did I come in in a Ford something the other day? It was a, might have been a Galaxy. And it was really comfy, really comfy. I mean, you could, you could see yourself sitting in one of those, and I think it would seat one, two, three, four, five, probably six, eight people you could probably get in a Ford, Ford Galaxy. And I think you could probably fold all the seats down, and you could get loads of stuff in there. I quite like that idea. I'm not going to change the car, incidentally, just in case you thought I was going to be doing that. I do like the story of Chessington. Chessington World of Adventure has banned visitors from wearing leopard print clothing so they don't confuse the animals. Well, there you go. They've, uh, they've introduced Zufara Ride into Africa, a 22-acre off-road trail built to replicate the Serengeti plains of Tanzania and Kenya and features giraffes and rhino, among other wild creatures. Well, they've done this in loads of other places. However, they've noticed that visitors wearing items like leopard print coats or T-shirts were causing the animals to exhibit strange behaviour. Some became over-friendly, others became frightened and fled. I think, and you know, I, don't, I think this is rubbish. I think this is a PR puff to try and get some interest going in Chessington World of Adventures' uh, wildest adventure. That's what it is, because it's brand new. And so now they've hired what they describe as animal print bouncers... And uh, these people who turn up in animal prints will be given alternative clothing at the entrance. They've just done this as a PR puff and the paper's fallen for it. That's all. I've just fallen for it myself, actually. I'm even worse. That's, that's what they've actually done. It's, they, they've opened a new 22-acre site. To, to, how can we sell this? I know. Why don't we say people wearing, you know, leopard prints and stuff like that and making the animals a little bit wary. They want to get too... Oh, cobblers, isn't it, really? It really is ridiculous. And why the school miniskirt has become a micro... I mean, girls' skirts at school now are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And if you look at some of them, apparently schools are quite relaxed over this. To be honest with you, it's a little bit perverse. You see girls walking up the, up the stairs at Twickenham, schoolgirls, pulling their skirts down a bit at the back. And they sit there on the buses and you think, isn't that a bit short? Do you know, does your mother let you go out looking like that? I'm not saying we've got to go back to Victorian or Edwardian times. I'm just saying that it's now become a micro skirt. It's always the ugly ones wearing it. That's the only problem. It's, I mean, it just looks terrible. But the schools, if, if they're relaxed about it, nothing I can do about it. They obviously think that's acceptable. And I'm hoping that parents might want to clamp down and go, you're not wearing that to school. You're not wearing that to school. It's too short. You know, there must be an acceptable level. You're going to school. You're going to learn. Not to exhibit yourself to all the uh, the other people there. Uh, the Peru, too, have pleaded guilty to smuggling cocaine. Should they be allowed to serve sentences in the UK? That's the question that Duncan Barks was asking. I can't remember what the overall answer was. Were most people saying, we don't want them over here. Why should we have to pay to keep them? Let the Peruvians pay to keep them. Pair of old tow racks. We don't want them. Definitely don't want them. I feel no, no iota of sympathy for them. Had they actually got uh, through, then uh, that cocaine would be on the streets. Probably not with them, but with uh, with with somebody else that they'd be picking up their little piece of uh, little piece of gold for doing it. But uh, now they can rot in prison for six years and perhaps cogitate on exactly what they are. But we don't want them back here. Why should we have to pay for them? We're stretched as it is. Thank you very much indeed. Apparently, you can go to your local vet. And get your local dog's behaviourist name and telephone number. We'll sort the dog out, but it costs one to two hundred pounds. Yes, but I suppose he could go to a behaviourist. The dog's on tablets to try and calm him down. That doesn't seem to be having, <laughs> having too much effect, I'm afraid. And it's driving him to distraction. So anybody else got any brilliant ideas? Do let us know. We would love to know that. It's LBC ninety seven point three. Uh, collectors war. Oh, well, the, I'll tell you what, what is doing the rounds at the moment, especially around Twickenham and Richmond and Feltham. Fake ten pound notes. 
fake £10 notes. And the way you spot them is when you hold them up to the light, if you turn the note over, the line is unbroken at the back. You know, it looks like a... So hold it up to the light, it's, it's, it's not all one continuous line. That's the giveaway on the fake tenors. So be warned, if you're a shopkeeper and somebody comes in and goes, you couldn't break this into two fives, could you? No. No, no, no. They were trying it in shops the other day. There's uh, quite a number. There's, I mean, I, when I say there's a lot of them flooding the area, there's a lot flooding the area. And it will be people coming in saying, can you change this? I need some money for parking. No, you've got no change. Don't touch them. Because there will be little little shopkeepers all over the place who just take them in. When you try to put it into the bank, they'll go, that's fake, that's fake, that's fake. And you don't, you've lost the money. You've lost the money. So no change for people. And be wary as well of somebody coming in. If you've got a little corner shop around the uh, Richmond, Twickenham, actually around most areas in London, there are thousands of these things doing the rounds. It's like the pound coins. Only these are tenors, so there's more money to be made. And people might come in and just buy, you know, a packet of chewing gum and give a £10 note. Check them immediately. Check them immediately. And if in doubt as a shopkeeper, what you're supposed to do legally is keep it and hand it into the bank. But, of course, these people expect it back. So they can go and try it on with somebody else. Quarter past five. Ferrari and the team after seven. The day after Ed Miliband delivers his keynote speech, Nick will be asking, how did he do? Plus all the latest on the first fire strike for a decade. And is it fair that we judge MPs on what their wives wear? All of that with Nick Ferrari and the team from seven this morning on LBC 97.3. Look at the papers today. Tom Bauer, the investigative journalist and biographer of Gordon Brown and Simon Cowell's unofficial biographer. Uh, just going back to the papers, and we're always reading about uh, fraudsters and people who rip you off. And I've always said, my hard and fast rule is, if you buy on eBay, don't buy any branded stuff like shoes or coats, because the chances are 99% of it will be fake. OK, there's lots of fake stuff on eBay. And so I remember a friend of mine saying, oh, you say that. I bought a pair of shoes and they were whatever shoes they were. And when they arrived, I went, so? And he went, they're fake. I said, well, there you go. Don't buy any branded goods. If you want to buy cheap rubbish, then buy it. But you're buying yourself a barrel load of trouble. What's the latest thing that they faked? We know that there's fake £10 notes doing the round. So my advice to shopkeepers everywhere is uh, not to take any £10 notes. Just check them. If somebody comes in and buys one little item and gives a £10 note, you know, or they ask for change, check them very carefully. Chances are it'll be a fake, especially at the moment. And you know the sort of people who are going to be hawking these notes around. It's not going to be little old ladies, put it that way. But there's something else that they've started faking, and this is conning people left, right and centre. It's vinyl records. Vinyl records. The police have just raided a house uh, in Boreham Wood, and they've seized 1,500 counterfeit vinyl records that, if genuine, would be worth up to £20,000. Some were more than 20 years old, however... Uh, Some current artists are now also issuing limited edition vinyl records. In another raid, more than 4,000 allegedly original discs by Eminem, Michael Jackson and Madonna were seized in Birmingham. They had been advertised as rare at prices up to £99 each. A Hertfordshire trading standard spokesman says there's a huge market for collectible vinyl records. They're going for serious money and that's why they're faked. Anywhere where there's money, they're faked. So be warned, vinyl records... Uh, Shirley's fellow in carry-on nurse was the late Terence Longdon. Checked on IMDb and Googled his picture. Died a couple of years ago. Long and varied, in, varied career, including a role in Ben-Hur and What a Whopper. As you say, very good-looking guy and instantly recognisable. Do you know, if, if somebody put his name up on a quiz show, I would not have known his name was Terence Longdon. 
I seriously wouldn't have known that. Put up Terence. Could you put Terence? Just type Terence Longdon in, just so I can reaffirm myself <laughs> that it's the person I'm talking about. Because I wouldn't have known his name. Isn't that funny that he never went on to be, you know, big? He obviously worked as a as an actor, but uh, but didn't. Yes, he was. That's him. This. So he was very good. That that's him when he was in the Carry On. There. Good lord. So when did he die? When did he die? Let's find out. Just have a quick check on his uh, on his Wikipedia. Which, of course, you can't rely on all the time. It's the most inaccurate thing. Uh, he died... Oh, he only died a short while ago. 2011, he died. He was in some of the early carry-on. And he was best known for Gary Halliday, the TV series, where he played a Biggles-like pilot who flew into various adventures. I've never even heard of that one. He was in Danger Man. He filmed Another Time, Another Place in 1958. He lived on the border of Gloucestershire and Warwickshire. So there you go. Born 1922, died 2011. I always like mentioning people like that, and for the simple reason that sometimes I get families who write to me saying, you mentioned our dad the other day, or you mentioned my uncle, thank you so much, because we thought people had forgotten about him. And, uh, and I always say, no, they never forget about people, it's just me trying to remember as many of them as possible. So uh, I'm glad that we found out uh, who he was. I'm glad we found out. So Terence Longdon, well, I, I wouldn't have known, Paul, if you'd put up various names, Terence Longdon would not have been the one that threw itself out the screen. It'll probably come up in some quiz on a television show in years to come, which is interesting. Of course, I've now lost my, my text messages as well, haven't I? Silly old me. So be careful about the fake vinyl records. That's mentioned in a couple of the papers for today. They're also asking if this is the British woman, the brains behind Kenya's mole massacre. Is she dead? Well, I hope so. There's all that. Uh, the group responsible have issued a statement saying that uh, there weren't any women involved, even though some of their men were dressed as women. A lot of cross-dressing going on in some of these groups. Uh, Steve says, Alan, we don't want the drug mules here to serve their sentence. Peru don't want them. Why not send them to Spain? After all, they let them on the aeroplane with the drugs to get into Peru in the first place. Yes, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. We don't want them. We definitely don't want them back here. I couldn't care less what, what the parents think. That's got nothing to do with it. It's got to do with the courts. I mean, if the courts then decide, yes, they can serve their sentence here, um, then so be it. But I don't see why we should have to pay for them. They committed the crime in another country. We normally keep people here if they've committed a crime here. And then at the end of their sentence, we send them back home again with a flea in their ear and a smack on the bottom. Apparently, to keep these girls in the UK is going to cost you £80,000 a year. So Newton says, let's keep them in Peru. And uh, why don't we export a few more of our own prison population to the Peruvians at 10 grand apiece? They buy a saving, 30 grand per prisoner per year. That'll pay the energy bill freeze from uh, Red Ed Miliband. He's going to be known as that forever now, isn't he, really? Uh, apparently animals in uh, captivity often display odd behaviour as a way of coping with distress or boredom. No behaviour could help anybody cope with animal print clothing. Well, that's why I think the whole thing is just a load of old rubbish. Load of old rubbish, I'm afraid. Um, yes, a lot of people talk about dog behaviourists. Do they work? Are they good at, um, at making dogs do something? The trouble is, when you leave a dog by itself, they do behave strangely. I told you that my godchildren had a dog, and it, uh, it didn't like being left alone. It started crying, you know, to the point of you think, oh, no. I feel a bit awful, really, about it. But uh, leaving the, the radio on is, is fairly good. Maggie says, my friend's dog was having behavioural problems and she bought a special dog collar impregnated with a hormone which was gradually released into the dog's skin and it worked. Maybe Paul could give this one a go for his poor dog. I know, I think he's at the end of his tether. And I was talking yesterday, uh, and I only mention this because we've talked about dementia on the programme before. And a friend of mine, his father has dementia. And... 
uh, I hadn't really realised until yesterday how it manifests itself. And he saw me, he said, hello, Steve. And so I was trying to engage him in conversation to make him remember things. Like saying, you know, oh, what happened here before that? Or asking various questions. But he, he, didn't, he didn't understand what I was saying. He kept repeating the same story. He told me the same story ten times. Because obviously, the moment he'd stopped me, he, he, he'd stopped telling me. He didn't know he told me, so he told me again. He would, he would say, for example, oh, and the toilet uh, there was in the middle of the road, and the, and the, count, the councillor, and he, he becomes quite lucid. The councillor was on the, the bench and did so-and-so, so-and-so. He'd go, oh, right. He'd say, and the toilet was in the middle, and the councillor was on the bench. And I'd go, wow, that's really interesting. I says, how old, how old are you now? The toilet was in the... And after ten times... It starts driving you a bit balmy. But you can't take them away because he doesn't know that he's told you that. And that's why, for people who've, who've got the early signs of dementia, it's a terrible problem. I don't know how you cope with it because, I mean, I was only there for like 15, 20 minutes. And uh, I was feeling the strain at the end of it. So for those people living with it on a day-to-day basis, it must be incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult now. Even with the drugs that are, are available, these people need to get specialist help very, very difficult. Uh, Kate in Epsom says, did you say you were going to change the Bentley? You are oh, joking, of course. No, I said I was taking it in for a service. And uh, Gary Halliday was a must-see TV programme in the early 60s. So I'd never even heard of it. Well, I thought I'd heard of most things on the television. Here's the first picture of Coronation exclusive, Coronation Street exclusive, on the front of the sun today of Michael Lavelle returning to the Corrie Cobbles for the first time since he was cleared of sex offences. Uh, he was greeted warmly by co-stars, including uh, his screen wife, Sally Deneva. Is that what her name is now? Isn't, isn't she Sally Webster? Oh, she's not. Have, have they separated? Oh, that's their real, that's her real name, is it? Oh, right. I bumped into her in a restaurant once and she said hello to me. I thought, now, does she say, is she saying hello to me? She doesn't know me because she thought I looked at her and recognised her. Or is she going, hello, thinking I was somebody else? Some like tall, dark and handsome, you know, film star or something like that. <laughs> Crazed One Direction fans are dodging deadly snakes to get a peek at their heroes because they were taking the, the boys out the other day. Uh, uh, the, they're, they're shacked up in an Aussie hotel in an area notorious for eastern brown snakes. Sounds scary enough to me. I can't bear snakes, as you know. And so a lot of the girls are hanging around there that people have been killed by these snakes in New South Wales. Interesting. Um, Liam was forced to apologise to more than 200 fans swabbing Adelaide Airport after the group snuck through a VIP exit. He tweeted, sorry, we couldn't stop at the airport. They said it wasn't safe. Because you can imagine, if they don't have security, things could be very dangerous for the One Direction boys. I find the same when I walk out of this building in the morning. It's LBC 97.3. Not true. It's 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Oh dear, oh, I'm so cheerful. It's going to be a dreadful day today. I've got to try, everything has got to, I've got to fit into place today. I've got two recordings for In Conversation. One is in the building, one is not in the building. And we've got to get 
to a part of London in 30 minutes. I cannot see it happening. I really can't. I'm trying my best to sort of think. I even tweeted saying, you know, if it, if it comes off, it'll be a miracle. If it doesn't, it's going to be all hell breaking loose. So it all hinges on the first guest turning up in the building, hopefully here at about 10 to 10, quarter to 10 would be nicer. And that way we can finish her at quarter past 10 to then rush out the building, get the car which will be waiting outside and head off up to uh, Farringdon, I think, which I've been to before. And it was a nightmare journey because of Crossrail and there's traffic everywhere and it's just awful. And it's in the little back streets. It's, it's just awful. And I'm just thinking, we're not going to do it. And of course, if, if it's going to get to 10 to, if we're nowhere near by, by 10 to, I'm going to abandon it. There's going to have to be a phone call from somebody saying, listen, they're stuck in traffic. They're not going to be there for ages and ages. In which case, by the time you get there and you do the, the interval, in, the in, interval, inter, interview, uh, it's going to be probably about 20 to 12 before we get out of there. 11? No, sorry, 10. What time are we supposed to be there? I'm trying to think. 10 to 11. And 11.30, the cab is booked for on the way back. Uh, but I think it'll be a little bit later than that. Then by the time I got to Waterloo, I'm not going to get home to about one o'clock today. And a friend of mine texted me yesterday and said, uh, do you fancy going out this afternoon? And I'm going to have to text back and go, I, don't, I can't because I, I don't know what time I'm going to get home. And I like to generally put, put my little feet up, you know, which is good. Uh, Steve, I used to mix Terence Longdon with Terence Langdon, who was in Bergerac. I love Bergerac. And Karen says a dog barks continuously at 4am near to where I live. If I can hear it, I don't know the owner's card. I feel sorry for the animal, but I get annoyed because I can't bear a barking dog. Somebody's going in for a new knee today in the Princess Alexandra Hospital in Harlow. And uh, Jonathan says, I was selling genuine Dior formal dress shirts on... <laughs> I thought you were going to say he was selling dresses for some reason on eBay until they accused me of selling fakes and withdrew and refunded payment to buyers. Eventually, eBay apologised and paid... And uh, paid me with a written apology. So some articles sold on eBay are genuine, shop clearance stock. I know, I'm, I'm quite sure that some are, but the majority are fake. It's very, and the fakes are so good. They're so good now that it's, you know, you're hard pushed to tell the difference, aren't you? Hard pushed to tell the difference. Oh, they brought out at Burger King low-fat chips. That's in an effort to, you know, I mean, the rest of the stuff, horrendously fat-making. And that's why we're all clinically obese, I'm afraid. But their new Satis fries contain 40% less fat and 30% fewer calories than rival McDonald's chips. They're pound eighteen for a small order. They're being launched in America and Canada first. 18% pricier than normal fries. Oh, to hell with it. I'd rather stay fat. I bumped into an old lady and she was peering into the fridges at Iceland yesterday. And she's got, a, she's got her trolley full up with loads of stuff. And she's looking in the dessert fridge. And she said to me, what do you think? Spotted dick or apple pie and custard? I said, I don't know. I said, which, which one do you fancy? She said, I've tried them all. She said, I'm not supposed to eat them, she said, because I'm fat. She said, but I don't care. I said, we've all got to die of something, haven't we? And, uh, and so she's put, she said... Fruits of the forest, that sounds quite nice, doesn't it? In like, a, in like a, a, a steamed pudding kind of thing. I said, how much is that? She said, it's £2. I said, go on, push the boat out. I always talk to old people over fridges. And so, so she bought it. And I looked in there and I thought, I was going to buy a lemon meringue pie, but it was only like a quid. And I thought, what sort of quality lemon meringue pie do you get for a pound? My mum used to make a really, really nice lemon meringue pie. Still waiting for decent sprouts in. No decent sprouts in, but they were selling the other day... Uh, at the greengrocers, 
wet walnuts. Wet walnuts. And this lady said to John, she said, what are wet walnuts? He said, wet walnuts. And so it turns out they're from France, I think, where they grow them in sort of like sludge or something. Anyway, whatever it is, they're called wet walnuts. Anyway, she loved them. Three pounds a pound. And so uh, so managed to, to buy them and love them. But I'm waiting for little sprouts. At the moment, the sprouts are a bit soft. It's, we need the first frost to get the first decent sprouts in. And I want the little tiny ones, I'm afraid. And I've tried frozen. Don't push me in the frozen department because uh, they were horrible the other day. Absolutely horrible. Uh, Jimmy says, I searched Google Images for a picture of Terence Longdon to see what you were talking about. The fourth row down on the left was a picture of Paul Gascoigne. How odd. Very odd. Very strange. Uh, my wife worked in Bernardo's. Works in Bernardo's. Last week, a pair of men's boots came in, worn once or twice. The boots originally cost four fifty quid. Most customers expected to get them for a fiver. What's a realistic price? Well, for, well you're not going to get £450. Also, they've been worn. doesn't matter whether it's once or twice. They have been worn. I mean, to be honest with you, £35? £35, £40. You, you can't go by what they're worth. Because what they're worth and what, what people are prepared to pay in a charity shop. I have seen designer stuff on sale at really high prices in charity shops. They know what they're selling now. They're not idiots. But I, I wouldn't want to wear somebody else's shoes. It's like selling your old toothbrushes, isn't it? Why would you want to sell your old... Some people might want old... Not just as bad as selling your old socks, ladies and gentlemen. Can you imagine selling your old socks, even though they've only been worn once? But the difference is you can wear them and then you can wash them. And then you can uh, you can put them up in a, in a car boot sale. Uh, Steve, there is a fake vodka. It was on fake Britain. There's every single lettering. Uh, one corner shop had 252 bottles. Was tested. It had rat droppings and acid. Plus, it was 75% proof. Um, yes, I mean it's it is it is fatal that there is so much stuff, and that's where they they sell it to. That's where they actually sell it to. I remember there was a, a, a while ago, we had a scandal in this country, but they tried to keep it under the counter. Somebody coming around selling chicken. Selling it to restaurants that sold chicken. You know, they go around the back door and go, listen, I've got a load of cheap chicken. Do you want to buy it? And they go, yeah. And it turned out it was condemned chicken. But what they'd done is they'd washed it in a saline solution and were then selling it in restaurants. Because by the time it's been cooked and covered in a sauce, but it was condemned. It was from one of these abattoirs in Ireland who was churning out horse meat like there was no tomorrow. Uh, I was on holiday in Turkey and came across one of those Turkish bathhouses. They shaved with a solid steel stone ground razor from below the neckline, inside the ears, snipped out the nose hairs, whacked off the chest hairs, finished off with a moustache trim and an alcohol rob. Honestly, the wife's never look so good. It's an old one. Somebody's just driven off the road, I can tell. <laughs> Always good at this time of the morning, isn't it? Uh, on the subject of uh, Peru, it would make a mockery of their own country, says Lisa's penal system, if they came here to serve the sentences. They go to these countries, they take their chance, they've only got themselves to blame, and them only. No pity here. If it did happen, does that grandmother in the other country come here for the death penalty? Not going to happen. Fools a lot of them. They had got away with it, and they would probably do it again. Oh, exactly, if they got away with it, they would have done it again. But they were caught at Lima Airport, which apparently is so hot on drugs, they'd have to be pretty stupid, and they look pretty stupid. It was the fact that they smiled. They smiled. They stood there, you know, not a care in the world. Don't worry, we're only going to serve a little sentence. Six years. Six years and so many months, I think, in a Peruvian prison. But they can ask for, uh, for them to be transferred. We don't want them. We really don't want them. I'm expecting the newspapers to say today, in all their editorials, we don't want them. Why would we want to pay for them? 
Two, two drug mules, two people dealing in death. I couldn't care less what their parents say. I'm not, the parents don't come into it, as far as I'm concerned. They were adults. They were working as bar girls. For that, you know exactly what that means in Ibiza. They trade in drugs. They encourage people to buy lots and lots of drinks, and they behave badly. These two got caught. They can rot in prison, as far as I'm concerned. I'm really not, really not remotely interested. I'd quite like to see these spitting rolled out over every London borough. Although, how on earth the police are going to cope with this one? I've got no idea. They managed to find two people in, was it Waltham Forest, Walthamstow, somewhere like that, begins with W, could be anywhere. Uh, Waltham Forest. And uh, they, they can't even stop. I shouted at a cyclist the other day, somebody on a Boris bike, an old man. He jumped red lights. In fact, he jumped three sets of lights going down here from outside the Garrick Theatre. And on the first one, I went, like that. And he turned around and looked at me. And I felt like saying, I hope there's a policeman standing in that corner. He's going to nick you. And that's £50 here, £50 there, £50 there. Stupid people. Stupid people. They're so dim, aren't they? So dim. Uh, 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. You say. There's a new one. I quite like that idea this morning. Uh, (laughs) 850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. I like the you say bit better, actually. It sounded funnier, didn't it? sounded very funny. On the subject of sprouts, in Waitrose, says Jackie. Well, they better be, because they're, they're certainly not anywhere else. I mean, they are in places, but it's, it's too early to get really good sprouts. And that's why I'm a little bit disappointed. What does Jane Moore say? She has a comment on uh, Sunita. When it comes to the screaming, it should have been me. She makes Yvonne Fair's original lament sound like an apologetic whisper. I bet Gary gave her that one. I bet Gary gave her that one. And uh, Dawn French, working down under as a judge on Australia's Got Talent. She would. She's funny, talented and uh, self-deprecating and manages to be nice without appearing sickly or insincere. There's Jane Moore. I love Jane Moore, actually. Uh, She's talking about jam making. Uh, She's talking about the Leveson Inquiry. And uh, she's talking about Liz Hurley and Shane Moore. (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm talking to... uh, to Liz Hurley today. This, this is where it's all got to fit in quite cleverly. I've just got this horrible feeling. In the, you know, in the back of your mind, you think something's just not going to happen today. There's going to be something, and, and it's, and it's going to go wrong. I've just got this feeling. I'm trying to desperately hope that, uh, that it, it, it won't go wrong, but I've just got a feeling. Uh, Telly star Fern Britton apparently has been snubbed for this morning's 25th anniversary. Why? Because they claim she fell out with Philip Schofield. Fern, who co-hosted with, uh, with old Pip from 2002 to 2009, was not invited, despite hubby Phil Vickery being the show's chef. Apparently, Phil and Fern fell out after The Sun revealed he was paid three times her £15,000 a show salary for all-star Mr and Mrs. And in May this year, Schofield, 51, who still hosts the daytime show, said, we're not in touch now. Apparently, she's not the only one. Uh, John Leslie is uh, not going to be there. But he turned up when Fern left. I remember seeing him there. They've also not invited uh, weatherman Fred Tolbert. Uh, But Richard Maidley and Judy Finnegan will be back for the show at its original home in Liverpool's Albert Dock, joined by Scofe, current host Holly Willabooby, Ruth Langsford and, barely, barely on the television now, Eamon Holmes. I mean, really, get this man some work, for God's sake. I mean, it's been about five minutes since we've seen him. Fans complained when they saw Fern, expected to appear in a recorded message, was not in an ad for the show. Somebody says she seems to have been erased from this morning's history. Last night, a show source says it's not really about every presenter coming back. 
Don't be so stupid. Of course it is. That's the whole basis of the programme. Her and Pip Schofield used to corpse and laugh. I expected better from Pip Schofield. I really did. I expected better. So somebody moans about your money. Good God, it goes on all the time. I expected him to be bigger than that. To be bigger. Perhaps she doesn't want to go back. I don't know. We don't know the true story, do we? But as far as I'm concerned, she was part of the show. Perhaps he's tougher than we thought. Perhaps he's a lot tougher. Perhaps, you know, people write him off and sort of say, oh, he's only Pip Schofield. He just does naff sort of programmes. He's 51, though, now. And uh, he should be bigger. He should be much bigger than that. Come on, Philip. I'm expecting big things. A lot of people saying, uh, Waitrose, Steve, is where you're going to be getting your sprouts. Don't, don't wind me up. Don't worry, because you know I love my sprouts. And I've, I've tried some this year and they weren't, they weren't very good at all, I'm afraid. They really weren't very good. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. Wait a minute. This is, uh, uh, this is from... Oh, it's on the subject of uh, Sally Webster. Steve, Sally, Kevin's screen wife, used her maiden name Whitaker until her real-life cancer scare, which happened exactly the same time as she was filming her TV cancer plot line. Tim, her real-life husband, won a BAFTA as one of the Emmerdale scriptwriters. There'd be a good chance she knows who you are, as several cast members listen to you, I believe. I know. I used to get the, um, the people from Brookside. And now, of course, it's, uh, it's a case of with the internet... I'm going to take a break. But with the internet, now people know what you look like. So it doesn't matter whether I've got my sunglasses on, which I have a lot of the time, because my eyes are very sensitive. Uh, or whatever. People... I can get stop walking across Waterloo Station. I got stopped the other day a couple of times. People say, hi, Steve, morning. And people, people are always very nice. I, of course, run like heck. <laughs> well, I don't run. Not anymore. Haven't done for ages. 14 to 6. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 10 to 6 is the time. We're all listening in Cyprus. Hello, Cyprus. It's like doing the Eurovision Song Contest, isn't it? That's gone dreary. That's gone very dreary. I used to love the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm not, not as excited about it now as I used to be. Now, now it's all, the, uh, all the, the Baltic countries fighting over the blooming thing. Um, the worst thing about the stupid drug smugglers, says uh, Jack, my hard-working postie, he says, given their sentence here, is they're probably out in three years. Yeah, well, that's what you see. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, a million and a half pounds worth of cocaine, and I can't emphasise enough how much cocaine that is. A million and a half pounds, not 20 quid, not 30 grand's worth, a million and a half. But they knew exactly what they were doing. They're a pair of low-rent scumbags. They should serve their sentence. Because they plead guilty, the system in Peru, as you know, is that if you admit to the crime, you get a lesser sentence. Had they not pleaded guilty, and they would have wasted everybody's time in court, because we all knew they were guilty. You could see straight away by looking at them. They worked in bars in Ibiza. You know what that is. That's only one up from prostitution. And then immediately they go to Peru. No indication of why they're going to Peru. And of course they go to Peru, not laden with loads of money because the drugs were already paid for. They were doing it presumably for a fee. I mean, they weren't intelligent enough to come up with that sort of money, but they'd have done it for a fee. It could have been, you know, £8,000 each, £10,000 each. We'll probably never know until they write their dreary autobiographies, I suppose, you know, on how we were duped and we all have to believe this guff. But that's how it generally works. They find people like that because they'll be the ones selling it in the clubs. You don't find sort of men walking up and down saying, cocaine, cocaine. No, it's girls in the clubs. You're looking for a bit of excitement tonight, want to buy some drugs? 20 quid. That's how it works. It's the bar girls in Ibiza. Um, should the fire service be allowed to, uh, to strike? It's the big question, isn't it? Today they're going to go on, is it a four-hour strike, I think? 
We're not going to see the return of the Green Goddesses. I know that for a fact. Uh, Terence Alexander, who played Bergerac's uh, father-in-law. Yes. And uh, apparently, nice offer on Amazon. If you buy all Adam and the Ant sheet music, they'll throw in Stand and Deliver. Lovely, isn't it? That's, that's a joke there somewhere. I remember somebody used that the other day, I'm afraid. Uh, you can inform Paul, Paul O'Grady there are courses to retrain dogs with, uh, with behavioural problems. A behavioural psychologist uses techniques to retrain the dogs. It's not Paul O'Grady, it's Paul, Paul Hinge and Bracket, Paul. He says, uh, I'll send you the link, though. You need to send it to Paul at the Hinge and Bracket website. He'll be very grateful for, for things like that. It's It's true. It is true. Uh, Andrew said, I bought a, a bag of small English sprouts in Sainsbury's. Tastes great and worth the money. They're too, it's too early for them. It's got to be first frost. Any greengrocer, John will tell you, and, uh, and Paul Cooper, it's got to be first frost that you get them. But I want the little tiny ones they do in M&S where you get about 20 in a packet. And I can eat 20. I don't have any trouble with that. Christmas time, me and sprouts. Me, I could live on a plate of sprouts, sausage, the little sausages with the bacon wrap round them, some gravy and some, some chestnut stuffing. I could be, be quite happy with that. I could, I could even manage without the turkey. Couldn't manage without roast potatoes, though. It's made your mouth water now, hasn't it? You're now thinking. Breakfast is looking a bit dull. Porridge, I'm afraid. Uh, 38 days of hell. These are the two mums who've told how they spent 38 days in a Chinese hellhole after a row over fake Gucci flip-flops. Esther Jubril Badmos and Mary Dowu claim they were drugged and tortured. We can say anything, can't you, when you come back. Um, we thought we were going to die. They flew to China in June, but were arrested after Esther refused to buy counterfeit goods in a Guangzhou shop, causing a brawl in which she said we were savagely beaten. Well, I think you're over-exaggerating, dear, now. The Chinese aren't that desperate to sort of uh, incarcerate Westerners. We were taken to the station, strip-searched, interrogated, and thrown in a torture chamber. Yeah, see, I think this is just fantasy, I'm afraid, now. Only over a few things. Anyway, they came home in August after paying the attackers £4,000 compensation. Esther said, I can't sleep, I'm on antidepressants. So it's probably listening to this programme now. But that's uh, the trouble. You don't, I mean, I, I can't quite work out why they went over there in the first place. <laughs> Slightly odd story. Slightly odd story. And uh, worried residents kicking out a bit of a stink over plans to rename their village Farteg. Why should be funny. Uh, veterans want the tiny Varteg name replaced as the ancient Welsh language has no V sound. Locals fear they'll be the butt of schoolboy jokes if road signs are put up bearing the flatulent new moniker. So they don't want to be called Farteg. But there are other places. You've got, um, well, I, I can't read some of them now because they're too rude and you'd see them as being terribly rude. I mean, apart from poor old Pratt's Bottom. Sorry, Andrew and Bob, you get a mention in this list of rude names, but you get Pratt's Bottom in here. There's also, um, I can't read any of them. They're all rude names. Well, they would be considered rude names at this time of the morning, but they are they are proper place names. I mean, there's a, can't, there's a place called Booby Dingle in Hertfordshire. That's about the cleanest I can actually get for you. I can't read, um, there's Penis Stone in South Yorkshire. But some of the other ones are very odd. There's Brown Willie. In here as well. That's about as far as we've gone. OK, now, I think that's too much. I won't tell you where the place in Cornwall is. <laughs> I'll save that for another day, ladies and gentlemen. I might put it on the uh, on the extra podcast. On second thoughts, maybe not, I'm afraid. Um, I say tomato. You say tomato. What do you say? Tomato, tomato. I just... Tomato. I thought it was tomato. But a lot of people say tomatoes. <laughs> 
Somebody says here, I put my hair in a bun this morning, which is why I no longer work at Greg's. <laughs> Such an old gag, but very good. Uh, 84850. Steve Allen's uh, early, so don't be late. If you want to hear him get irate about celebrities in a state. There you go. He doesn't hold back with a verbal clout when they're putting it about, but our Steve loves a sprout. I get people on medication listening to this programme. It's you know Sometimes it's not their fault. Oh, they did a thing on the telly the other day with one of the great chefs, one of the nice chefs who we've had on before who does Saturday Kitchen. And he was looking at this place where they grow tomatoes. I think it's in the Channel Islands. And this man was growing all sorts of different tomatoes. He had loads of different ones in front of him. And they were, I mean, they were going up to the ceiling. They've got these big sort of tall step things that they go up there and cut them off on the vine. And he said, is it better to buy tomatoes on the vine or off the vine? And the answer is, on the vine is better, because they keep getting a bit of extra nutrient. But, and here is the trick, here is the trick, don't put tomatoes in the fridge. Leave them out. The flavour gets better. So put them in a fruit bowl. Tomatoes in a fruit bowl. Much, much better. Maureen says, sprouts on my stall at Portobello Road outside Greg's. It's the little ones. It's the little ones. I want the little tiny Little tiny tomatoes. Sorry, little tiny sprouts. I like little tiny tomatoes as well. They do little, little tiny ones in Costco. When I say tiny, they're the size of peas. Have you ever seen those? Didn't I bring them in here one day for you? I thought I brought some in here. I'll, I'll bring some in next time in there. Little, they're, they're such tiny tomatoes, you can't even believe it's a tomato. It does look like the size of a pea. Size of a pea. But in fact, it's, it's in the, the different colour. It's in red, which makes it a tomato. If it was green, it would be... AP. Other stories in the papers for today. I've got to come back with some celebrity stories because they've got um, they've got Sir David Attenborough, who's a national treasure. So when he appeared to start sending obscene messages over the internet, fans were stunned. And of course, it's perverts who pretend to be him. They just put up all sorts of things. The lewd messages, he said, are not for me. I would never, ever think that they would ever come from him. He probably can't believe that in this day and age there are people who write this sort of stuff. But there are. The perverts are, are out there. And uh, all you do is you just pass it on to the to the police. It's very, it's, I mean, to be honest with you, there's so many ways round these things. Um, there is a lane in Selsey called Manhood Lane, says Ian in Harlow. Seems quite tame to some of the places I've got, which I'll give you on the free podcast later. We'll have to give a warning, though, at the beginning, won't we? It's an adult. Oh, it seems ridiculous, doesn't it? You have to say things like that. But just in case people get offended. <laughs> I don't, don't want to intentionally offend anybody. Although, to be honest with you, I might try this morning. I used to be a great fan, says Michael, of, uh, of Pip Schofield. I tweeted him one night and, not, and, got, and got quite a cutting reply back. What, you tweeted? Yeah, the trouble is, are you sure it's him? That's the thing, isn't it? Are you sure when you, when you tweet somebody, is it really you? He says he's not the nice guy he portrays on the screen. Oh, I think he's quite nice. I think he's quite nice. I don't have any problem with, with Pip Schofield. I think he's actually quite nice. I do like the whole programme. I think it's actually quite uh, quite entertaining. And the producer, I think, must be Carl, because he's worked out. Um, we've had Carl. We used to use him on my programme. And he used to do Loose Women. And I think he looks after this morning now. And it must be ideal. Anybody who's controversial in the news, they want to put on the programme. It's as simple as that. It's called getting ratings. So if they book Paul Gascoigne, they're hoping he's going to turn up drunk. Because that's the way they're going to get coverage in the press. News is next. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 
Morning, five minutes past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're waking up today to the uh, Peruvian two who've pleaded guilty, which we knew that they would, to get a lesser sentence, uh, over smuggling their, uh, their drugs. Michael Lavelle has returned to Coronation Street, and uh, presumably they will start filming very shortly. Uh, Peter Andre's girlfriend is finally filming the last series of My Life. Thank God for that. Let's hope we don't have to see her ever again. He turned up on television the other day, and uh, because when he was when he was doing his programme, there were some workmen doing some work outside. So Peter Andre makes them um, he serves them tea. I mean, it's so naff. It really is. It's like it's like sort of you know turning up outside Lakshmi Mittal's place, and his wife pops out with sort of a cup of tea and a bourbon biscuit. Not getting, you know, Peter Andre does it, of course, because there's a film crew there, because that's part of his boring life. You know, he takes people cups of tea out there. And then he was, um, he's, he told this morning, wait a minute, this is the lab, this is the girlfriend he's talking about. This is the, uh, the 23-year-old, toss, 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 toss. He says, um, I'm with someone who is a lot more private, and even though I am public, and I could never ask for privacy here and there, that's wrong. You can't when you're in this industry. You have to also respect the other person. She's private. You can't stop her appearing in front of the cameras. You must have mistaken that for somebody else. Even the children now know exactly what the value of the camera is. It's ridiculous. There's a 17-year age gap. Mentally, though, I think it's a lot more than that. So anyway, she's now pregnant, and thank God the last series. But she loves the limelight, Peter. Come on, grow up, for goodness sake. I'm more interested in Colleen Rooney with a whole wad of £50 notes. Next time she walks out, somebody's going to mug her, aren't they, thinking she's got £50 notes on her, and knowing her, she probably has. Uh, Matt Willis going into Birds of a Feather, together with Pauline Quirk's real son. So that's quite good. Charlie Quirk. I didn't know Pauline Quirk had any children. I don't know why I didn't think she had any children. I just didn't know that they were in the business. Uh, front page of the Express this morning. Uh, your eight-page guide to the best cruises. are obviously pitching the Express at a, at a different market. I saw one the other day. It was in... Did I read about it? In? It might have been the Metro yesterday. And it was a lovely cruise to the glaciers and all the ice fit. It looked fantastic. But it's not cheap. It was about £2,000 for an inside cabin per person, two people sharing. So you're looking at £4,000. But, I mean, cruises are good fun. But this one looked quite good because at least you know you're not going to get the kids on it. And the whole idea of cruising, there are certain cruises which attract lots of kids. And you don't want to be in a, on a cruise with loads of kids. You know, you want to be on a cruise where people just want to sit there. But if you get 2,000 people on some of these celebrity cruise line ships, uh, or even even some of Cunard's as well, you can lose yourself. It's never going to be rammed on the decks. You're always going to have enough room to see everything. And on this one, they did everything. I mean, it, look, it looked really wonderful. I thought, you know, that would be a freezing cold. It's like minus 21. But then you just go back inside the ship and it's all warm and you can cruise around. But it was, it was £2,000, I think. Best part of two grand for a cruise. But if you're looking for something different, this would be seen as different. Every time you sort of round a corner, there's another piece of spectacular scenery. I mean, I, I like the cruise, <coughs> excuse me, that we went on years ago. Uh, it was, it was, it was good. It was very good. You couldn't complain about the food. You couldn't complain about anything. It was just nice. It really was nice. I'd, but I'd like to go on an adult cruise. When I say adult cruise, I don't really want loads of kids on it. Ours were okay. But I would definitely like to go on one of those adult ones. Who knows? Perhaps it might, perhaps it might happen. Perhaps it might happen. Um, Ian and Rosie say, if all you're having for Christmas lunch is sprouts, maybe, maybe we buy you a kite as a present. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. Indeed. I do like my sprouts. I'm convincing myself that they're really, really good for you. I think they're very good for you. I'm, in fact, I'm totally convinced they're very, very good for me. 
Um, <laughs> uh, Jamie from Hong Kong says, think of Paul Nick when he takes over your studio after Sprouts. Well, it doesn't have to be that bad all the time. But they're, they're very good for you. Uh, apparently, uh, it's Penny Stone, not Penis Stone. But it sounded funny the way I did it. I think you'll find so. Much funnier. She probably lives there, actually. Poor old Pratt's Bottom, though, and Angela and Bob. They, uh, they've always had to suffer with things like that. Uh, I lived in a caravan site, says Michael, when I was in my early 20s, near Fording Bridge, which is down in... Oh, wait a minute, now I've got to think where that is. It's Fording Bridge down Southampton Way, something like that. I'm pretty certain it is. And it was called Sandy Ball's Campsite, which is lovely. There you go. Actually, to be honest with you, if you see some of these, was it one of those big caravan sites? It must have been one of those big ones where they've got the, the, the permanent caravans that don't go anywhere. Uh, 84850. Have you tried can sprouts, says Malcolm? Oh, no. Oh, no. Can sprouts? I've never heard of such a thing. Never heard of such a thing. Um, somebody says, you're quite right about uh, tomatoes. Don't put them in the fridge. They go off quickly in the fridge. Leave them out. Leave them out. And uh, and make sure that, uh, in fact, you put them, put them in a, put them in, in, in a, fruit, a fruit bowl. And they'll, they'll last much, much longer. Much longer. Daily Mirror this morning. Cowell, I'm having a boy and getting wed. He doesn't want to be there at the birth, though. He's decided about that one. And Ed Miliband, declaring war on greedy power companies by pledging to hold energy prices for two years. They're all doing it. Uh, they're very keen to get you to vote Labour. And he says we need to press the reset button. So they're saying all the things. Oh, here it is. Sandy Balls, New Forest Holiday Village. Looks lovely. Oh, it's like sort of wooden chalets. Uh, browsed by birth. Six birth. Six birth looks good. We go for a six birth. How much is that going to cost us? Oh, that's quite nice. They're all sort of chalet sort of things. There's a pine lodge for the disabled, which is good. Actually, there's a story about the disabled today. And it's to do with Disney. They're changing the way that they're accessing... Uh, their rides for disabled people and they're now giving disabled people a ticket and a lot of disabled families are complaining saying well the kids won't understand what's going on I thought yes they will because at the moment they get fast tracked to the front of the queue and so what they because I mean you can queue for hours of these things so that's why a lot of people pay extra at Disney and a lot of the big amusement parks you can pay extra so you don't have to queue for as long as other people and they can fast track you which is much it's much quicker if you want to do lots of rides otherwise you can stand there I remember at one time it said you know from here two hours from here and I say nothing is worth two hours of my life wasted away that's I mean that is just uh, completely unacceptable as far as I'm concerned so fast track every time and unfortunately because you're not going to be doing these places every single week you don't mind spending the money. It's like you go on holiday and they say it's extra to do this. You think, oh, what the heck, I'm on holiday. Uh, a twerking princess and the pornification of our children. Sarah Vine writing in the, uh, the Mail today. Britain plunged into darkness by Labour's 1970s-style plan to freeze power bills. Energy firm says capping prices would halt the investment needed to avoid blackouts and gas and electricity rationing. I'm old enough to remember blackouts. I don't know if the, you're not old enough to remember blackouts, are you? where the, uh, the coal miners went on strike. And so they would say, right, the electricity's going off at six o'clock tonight. Six o'clock. And so you would say, you'd think, is it really going to go off at exactly six? Yep, blow me down. Exactly at six o'clock, it would go off. There'd be a click and, and you'd have to run round turning off lights and stuff like that. It was ever so funny. I mean, it really was funny. Um, so I don't know whether or not, you know, we're going to go back to that. I mean, that would be a disaster. It was awful because lights would go off everywhere. The roads would be pitch black. It was like, it was, it was just terrible. Occasionally you'd, see, you'd go past somebody's house and you'd think, they've got lights on. 
And it would be candles. People have candles in the windows. Hopeless if you're trying to blow dry your hair to the heat of a candle. It's not going to work very well, is it? Daily Express this morning. They're talking about, uh, was this the British woman, the brains behind Kenya's Mull Massacre? This is the one they called the White Widow. Um, as I say, we don't know. We don't know yet. How to beat arthritis pain, a problem for a lot of people coming up to winter. Exercise and healthy diet eases the agony. So it's lots of vegetables, lots of exercise. But, I mean, shopping and cleaning, that's a problem. And I've had the same problem here. I don't think it's arthritis. I've just got pain in my arm. It's constant. Constant pain in my arm. And some days it's better than others. It's like, it, you know, you go to the doctor, you go, it hurts when I do this. And he says, well, don't do that. And it is, and I don't know what it is, whether it's the uh, the tablets I'm on. I've got no idea. Prince Charles, cha-cha-cha-cha-charting. And he thinks the princes would be the stars of Strictly. Well, I think if you put Prince Harry on Strictly, I think the audience would go through the roof. But there again, I think you could put Harry Styles on from One Direction. And the audience would go through the roof. So I don't think it's necessarily Prince Charles trying to sell his sons. Because I don't care what anybody says. I can look at Prince William and tell you that he hasn't got any sense of rhythm whatsoever in his body. Whereas you think Harry... Having seen him dancing in Trinidad the other year, you know Harry's got a bit of rhythm. As those girls in Las Vegas can testify to. It's quarter past six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 6.20. Nick and the team with you after seven o'clock this morning. Uh, Ed Miliband's conference speech. How did he do? They'll be talking to the political editor of the the Guardian. Uh, small businesses. If you were a small business owner, then Nick will be asking, is it an uphill struggle? And the answer is yes, it is. There seems to be no easy way around it, does there? They'll be talking about the uh, the fire strike as well. And uh, Justine Miliband appears in. Uh, an L.K. Bennett dress. Is it fair they have to be dolled up? It was £245, this dress. That's like, But, I mean, how ridiculous to put down the price of a dress when they start talking about the politicians' wives. They don't put down Ed Miliband, £360 for the suit. Socks? So, you know, put the price of everything down so you can see what he's spending his money on. But, unfortunately, the wives are expected to turn up and, uh, and do a little bit of a, little bit of a fashion show. Because if, if they don't, they're going to get pulled apart by the press completely, aren't they? Uh, front page of the Times this morning, the blackout threat over Miliband's fuel pledge. An energy giant says it's ready to quit Britain. This is uh, Centrica. They said they're forced to hold retail prices at a set level while the wholesale cost rose. Uh, the first picture of the uh, shopping mole killers. Uh, two pathetic little specimens here. The Al-Shabaab gunman caught on CCTV entering the Westgate Centre. 67 people killed, five terrorists died and 11 were captured. They will. I don't know if they carry the death penalty over there. I don't know if they've got the death penalty for things like that. They're going to make them suffer, whichever, whichever way you look at it. Front page of The Independent. This is... Um, I don't know who that is, actually. Page 38 and 39. They've got a picture of a girl looking out through bars. And I have a feeling it's the... Is it these, these girls in... Hunger strike. Uh, and this is a, a woman here who's a, me- oh, that's right, a member of the Pussy Riot. Do you remember? In Russia. And they put them in prison. She's talking. They've been sentenced to two years in prison for a 40-second performance calling on the Virgin Mary to kick Vladimir Putin out. They did it in Christ the Saviour's Cathedral. And that's probably where they upset everybody. So now they're in, uh, they're in prison. And uh, it's a, an interesting story. Plus the gang rapists have challenged in uh, Delhi... Their death sentences. Uh, one of them, A.P. Singh, who's defended all four men at various times, says, I'm challenging this verdict uh, because, I mean, there's this 
this huge outcry over violent sex against women in India. All death penalty cases in India have to be confirmed by a higher court. And so they'll be hearing the arguments later on. We have to deal with this as expediously as possible because the sort of death is hanging over them. Could take weeks or months to hear all the arguments. Yesterday, the men walked under police escort into court. Three had their faces uncovered in public for the first time since the crime, while one wore a handkerchief tied over a no- over his nose and mouth. Another defendant, you remember, hanged himself in prison, although his family claims he was killed. So they're going to, uh, they're going to be looking at that one in the papers today. Ed's big freeze, no rise in electricity and gas bills for the first 20 months of a Labour government. They're getting a bit desperate. Perhaps they can they, they promise us something. Can they promise that I can get sprouts every year? That would guarantee a vote, wouldn't it? Because they're promising everything but the average household would save £120. The industry, of course, have reacted very badly to that one. The front of the Telegraph, Labour pledging to freeze the energy bills. We're guilty, admit the drug mules, taking us all for complete fools. Of course, you're guilty. You were caught with one and a half million pounds of cocaine in your cases. The question is now, which no doubt people were asking yesterday. Uh, do they spend it there in prison and rot and we just leave them? Or, which, of course, it isn't at all a bad. One of them's already described it as being like brownie camp. So it's obviously not as difficult. Human rights campaigners say, oh, it's dreadful, it's awful, it's a horrible place, you know, they'll be attacked and everything. No, not a bit of it. They were dyeing each other's hair the other day. It's obviously not remotely bothered. Not remotely bothered. Uh, Gordon Sharon says, um, yes, thank you. Unfortunately, I can't read what it is he says about Sandy Balls, but it was very funny. Thank you. Brightening my day. Uh, you could always try a saga cruise, says Ron. Uh, yes, you're probably right, actually. But uh, you'll have to tell me what it was like for you. And then I'll, then I'll know. Uh, green tomatoes. Wrapping newspaper placed in the kitchen drawer will ripen over the next few weeks, says Ian. So the thing to do is always buy them on the vine. And if you buy them on the vine, leave them out. Do not put them in the fridge. Do not put them in the fridge, because it's, uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, more on place names. In Cheshire, the footballers' playground, there's a district called Lower Peover, pronounced Pover. <laughs> Apparently, there's a street in York called Whitmawapmagate. Is that serious? There's a very funny place there. There is a whole book, I think I encountered it in Waterstones the other day, and it was, um, <laughs> it was funny place names in this country, which made me laugh. My favourite, though, and I can't remember who sent this in to me. It was a, it was a, a story of, a, of an African woman. You, you might not get this, this gag. It was an African woman uh, who goes into a restaurant, I think. I think that's what the story is. I remember getting it the other day and thinking, that is quite emphatic. That's right. Now, you, you might not understand this one at all. So uh, this African woman called Betty came into my restaurant and asked if there was any chicken on the menu. And I said... Oh, no, Black Betty, it's ham or lamb. Oh, no, you don't get that one? I thought nobody would get that this morning. You have to be, oh, we found whip my wop my gate. <laughs> it's actually got a sign. There is a sign. So there you go. I mean, I don't know why we even doubted it. It's just that I have to check for myself to see. Whip my wop my gate. Uh, the, it's one of the smallest streets in York. It's between Colliergate and Fossgate and intersects the pavement. The origin of the name is unclear. Gate derives from the Norse word gata, meaning street. And uh, a plaque, I mean, it, it translates roughly as what a street. But modern translators have said it translates as neither one thing nor another. So 
the end of the Whip-ma-wop-ma-gate. They're saying it was a place where they used to have the stocks and a whipping post. Whip-ma-wop-ma-gate. So there you go. Uh, finally, the Daily Star today. Gaza is back on the booze. He didn't turn up to an interview on the television yesterday, so they assumed he was back on the booze again. And uh, sad programme the other night. But if that's what he wants to do, let's leave him to it. People have helped. People have tried to help. Doesn't seem to be doing anything at all. Uh, Sophie Adderton, a little desperate, sad, lonely person, if ever there was one, is now claiming that she was injecting drugs at the age of 11, if you choose to believe it. And perhaps you fall into the sad little camp that worships at the altar of Sophie Adderton. I sadly am not one of those uh, people at all. She's a ridiculous embarrassment to everybody. And uh, the sooner she disappears, the better. Injecting at the age of 11. And um, One Direction fans, be warned... Don't go anywhere near them at the moment. They're hanging around in all these places where they've got snakes. And so the fans are actually sort of hanging around. They don't seem to be worried. Newly engaged Mark Wright. Good Lord, he's still around. And Michelle Keegan are planning their marital home. Mark says, we're considering buying land and building something that we'll both design. A tent seems appropriate, actually. Uh, The loved-up couple got engaged on a recent trip to Dubai. Both Mark admitted that he and Michelle... Had a little tear afterwards. I know, conjunctivitis is dreadful, it really is. Anyway, I'm sure that it's going to go terribly, terribly well. Just about it for this morning. Uh, finally, I'm just going to clear up some of the... Oh, I've lost them all now. Doesn't help, does it? Uh, I was trying to find the uh, the text messages and they've... Oh, there they are. Right. Uh, loving the blackout, says Richard in Huddersfield. Dad would bring fish and chips home. My mum got the nightlight candles out. I mean, mum, dad and sister. And we played Domino's, Monopoly and Cluedo, which is lovely. Kim in North Weald. Oh, just for me. Thank you very much indeed for that, uh, which is good. And um, let's see uh, what we can come up with on tomorrow's programme. I'm sure there'll be loads more in the the, uh, the papers about the Peruvian 2. I'm quite sure. Don't forget, we'll have a free podcast up for you up very, very shortly, about uh, 30 minutes. A bit late yesterday, but the computer had a bit, of a bit of a breakdown, I'm afraid. Nick and the team with you after the news at 7. I'll have the remainder of my podcast up a little bit later on this morning. And I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. I'm Steve Allen. Next on LBC, the morning news with Lisa Aziz.